have been waiting for you. They do not want you to be here. But where others fail, you will succeed. Forget the cell. In this space, time is endless. You are now experiencing the fourth dimension. Are you ready for what lies ahead? mind will transcend reality. Your consciousness will be sharpened like a sword. You will lose all connection to the outside world. And nothing will ever be the same again. Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Welcome. I say hello there. Let's do this. Man, tonight is going to be off the hook, off the chain, out of the tree. We're going to be rocking and rolling, partying like it's 1999, baby. Got so much stuff. Thanks so much for joining us. The stuff I have for you tonight, you are going to love it, my man. Got the good shit right here, bro. Ah, oh, you're going to love it. I'm not even overselling it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Daily Boogie Podcast, the free-for-all, the weekly free-for-all, the famous free-for-all, famous for about four dozen people. But that's all it needs to be. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us. It's Thursday night, we're ready to rock and roll. Out of the tree, yes. Out of the tree. That was a very, very sneaky reference to one of the stories we're going to go over tonight. We're going to cover the whole world tonight. And I've got to tell you, Here in the Boogie Bumper Studios, I am Boogie Bumper, by the way, just in case you didn't know, just in case you couldn't see the thing at the bottom of the screen there. Um, Here in the Boogie Bumper Studios, things are off the hook, out of control. Let me explain something to you. This is for the lads. This one's going out to the lads. Right now, outside of the, the studio door, and this is no exaggeration, right outside the studio door, ladies and gentlemen, There are three or four or five, I can't keep count, burly tradesmen who are literally knocking down walls in my house. (laughs) I'm not joking. So at different times during the, the broadcast tonight, you may hear loud banging, you may hear electrical interference. This is a trigger warning. No, it's not my equipment. My equipment is top notch. No, it's not me. No, it's not my pacemaker. It's none of these things. No, it's not Periscope. No, it's not YouTube. 
it is literally the fact that walls are being knocked down right outside the studio door in the house. And lads, this is a public service announcement. This is what happens when you don't take an active role in the running of the household when your wife comes to you and says, you know, I think I'm do I think I'm gonna do a little bit of interior decorating. <laughs> now you casually, calmly, without thinking about it too much, you might just assume, like I don't know if you can hear that, there's a drill going right now. You might just assume that this means like like I thought, oh, a couple of paintings, maybe some new drapes. Like, oh okay, we're gonna whack a bit of paint up in the living room. Is that what we're gonna do? Much to my surprise, about a week ago, I get informed, good news, honey, uh, two walls in the house are going to be gone, kaput, out of here. <laughs> I'm like, really? Oh, that's, uh, that's interesting. Yes, dear, uh, two walls are getting removed. <laughs> we're going to open up this whole area of the house. I'm like, great. So not we're not looking for new vases or anything. We're not going to put up some new curtains. That's what I had in mind. And doubly good news, it's going to be happening on the day where you do your free-for-all show. And there's nothing you can do about it. I said, okay, okay, honey. Sounds like a great idea. I can't wait. And there's more to come, actually. Next week, I don't think I'm even going to be able to do a free-for-all because rather than just two walls getting ripped out, the entire kitchen is getting gutted. (laughs) (laughs) And all I can, I'm having nightmares of just wads of cash being thrown into a river, a la the Boston Tea Party. Big piles of cash just going. I don't even ask how much is this costing us. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to slip my wrists, you see. So, okay, sounds good, honey. Knocking out walls, ripping out kitchens, great. So, lads, like I said, public service announcement. This is what happens when you don't take an active role in the interior design of your abode, of your living quarters. Your significant other, your lovely wife or partner, will take control of it for you. (laughs) And then it will be fucking out of control. (laughs) So, if you do hear some banging during the show today... Work with me here. I've even changed headphones. I normally have open back headphones. I'm opening the kimono tonight. I normally have open back headphones so I can hear what's going on around me even though I'm broadcasting. I've switched to the gaming headphones so I'm completely enclosed in a bubble here. Good news is we can't hear the demo. There you go. Not yet. Um, But when they get that power saw out and start slicing through the beams that hold the roof up, Perhaps you may get a little bit of interference. I'm not sure, but that's coming. I've been informed. Oh, we haven't even started yet, mate. We haven't even warmed up yet. Great. So I've stuffed, I've stuffed beach towels underneath the door. I have a lot of sound diffusing stuff in this studio, but it's not soundproof. So I'm doing my best. If you do hear a little bit of interference, work with me. We'll get through it nonetheless. Like I said, got so much to get through. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper and support the show so my wife can knock out some fucking more walls in the house, please. Just what we need. Like, I don't know. Why don't we just move into a tent at this point? Why not? (laughs) If you'd like to subscribe to the podcast, do so by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course... 
if you would like to take me down a peg or two with some power tools, and you can do so by following me on Twitter, at Boogie Bumper. It is the free-for-all. It is Thursday night. And like I said, so much to get through. There is a theme running through tonight's show that came up completely accidentally. We are taking free speech back. Part of the reason why I wanted Donald Trump to win the election, knowing full well that I couldn't vote, just as an outsider looking in, Actually, before I even tell you that why, there's there's certain axioms and certain premises that we have to understand and we have to accept as objective reality. Number one being that for better or worse, for good or for bad, uh, the United States of America essentially is the driving force for liberty in the modern age. Forget about England, it's gone. Individual liberty no longer exists in dear old England, the old dart. So the United States is the light on the hill. And that permeates, that ripples throughout all of the Western Hemisphere in varying degrees. Because where the USA goes, so too does the rest of us follow. And if the USA is lurching more towards censorious tyranny, totalitarian thought creeping into education, into media, into the culture, then so too will the rest of us follow. So one of the reasons that I wanted Donald Trump to win, in fact, really the only reason, the only really, the the main reason, the most important reason, because it was a big fat middle finger to political correctness. For me, political correctness is the game. Political correctness are the hands around your throat. It is the constraint of allowable thought. And it is the funnel of all possible opportunities and ideas into one single box. And that's something that we must avoid at all costs. Because when political correctness is involved, we all end up in the same place, whether we like it or not. Because certain things must not be said, therefore certain thoughts must not be thought. And certain conversations by default cannot be had. And if certain conversations cannot be had, then certain outcomes cannot be reached. And if certain outcomes cannot be reached, then certain solutions cannot be discovered. And if certain solutions cannot be discovered, then everything outside the box of allowable thought is (sighs) drifted off into the atmosphere, never to be seen again never to have an effect on the world or the people therein. So political correctness is the cancer that must be eradicated at all costs. It is the top dog, the top pig, the big swinging dick when it comes to battles in the future. So Donald Trump's election for me was the first step. It was the crack in the outer wall of castle political correctness, castle PC. And he may not bust through it, but he'll definitely weaken the structure. And it might just be enough for soldiers in times to come to pour in and lay waste, metaphorically, to those who seek to control our minds and control our speech. So we're taking it back. We are turning the ship around. Thank you for the super huts. We are turning the ship around right here today. We are taking it back. And I'm going to take you all over the world and show you how this is manifesting on this episode of the Daily Boogie Free-For-All. Thanks so much to the people who got involved on Twitter. There's still time. 
If you want to contribute an article or a link to the show, we're going to be here a while. Loosen up, pour yourself a drink, make yourself a snack. We've got so much to get through. Uh, let's kick it off. Oh, I'll give you a little teaser. I'll give you a little teaser. We're going to go over to the UK. Uh, recently, a radio announcer lost his job for racism. I'm going to show you who who wants to see, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, who wants to see a impeachment rally? Yay! I saw the impeachment rally this morning and I'm like, oh, I've got to show the kids this. You are absolutely going to love it. All of the big hitters were there. <laughs> All of the famous protesters, the career protesters were there. And what I'm going to show you today is how weak and how pathetic and how flimsy this political correctness stuff is. And again, how we're taking it back. So let's kick it off the way we like to with this. Now you face the shredder. Time for the shredder, baby. This one was sent through by Kimmy Jong-un a few days ago. Do you remember this guy? Alabama rep John Rogers? This guy. This is the guy who said, well, we kill the babies now or we kill them later. You bring the babies into a into a home and nobody love them, and then you strap them to the electric chair. And I thought, infallible logic. <laughs> because, <laughs> because if we're all going to die one day, why bother either, even being born? Let's just kill them all now. I thought it was a fantastic idea. Of course. So I've often spoken about this this problem before. If you are on the side of political correctness and thou shalt not offend, then you can't then offend people. It doesn't work like that because you you become a traitor to your own cause, right? And this is the problem. People want to say that you can't say certain things. That's offensive. How dare you? You shouldn't be allowed to offend people like that. Typical PC fair. And then those very same people, when it suits them, want to come out and start calling people names and being offensive. And then I think at that point, no, you've lost your guardian privileges. You've lost your shield of infallibility now at this point. So if you want to go around and be the moral beacon of our time and call everybody certain names, but then hide behind the shield of political correctness, I'm going to give you a big fuck you too, bro. Sorry. You're done. You don't get to be protected. You can't insult me. I'm a black man. Like, fuck, I can't. meltdown on this end. Please share the show out if you can. Let's get the people back in. We're not giving up. Just give it a few minutes so people can find their way back. Thank you for your patience. 
joining us. I'm not going to play the intro again. Yes, I've got the mushroom story lined up, ready to go. I had to reload all my links, all my pages, everything. Patience, guys. We'll be rolling in another minute or two. like that happen. Such a high quality production. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Just one of those things. Just one of those things. I was feverishly trying to restart processes and all that sort of caper to no avail, unfortunately. So hopefully we got, we got the, we got the, I don't know. I'm, I'm completely thrown off. I'm such a professional. This is such a professional podcast. <laughs> the, the the good part is, if you listen to the podcast version, which you can find at Podbean, um, Player FM, Last FM, iTunes, if you actually listen to the podcast version, it's going to be seamless. We're just going to stick the two halves together, and you won't even know the difference. See, that's going to be a special little thing between you and me. That's going to be a live audience-only moment that we experience there together. The podcast listeners, they'll be none the wiser. They'll have no idea what took place here today. But we will know. You and I. You and I. And the trees, Johnny. All right. Let's let's get back into it. Where the hell where the hell were we? 
Oh, that's right. We were talking about this idiot. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Let's get back to it. So, yeah, Alabama State Rep John Rogers blasted Donald Trump Jr. as evidently retarded on Thursday after the president's son condemned him for controversial comments he made defending abortion. And we were talking about if you're going to be on the side of political correctness, then you cannot then come out and be anti-PC, right? It doesn't work like that. You're a traitor then. At that point, you're a traitor to your own cause. And that's one of the great beauties of Donald Trump being in the White House is he's never been PC. So he can attack where the others cannot. Mr. Rogers, a Democrat, sparked a backlash on Wednesday after he told lawmakers during a filibuster against abortion that some kids are unwanted, so you kill them now or you kill them later. And then I think I did my impression of this guy, which was actually an impression of Jesse Lee Peterson. Unintentionally. You bring him into the world unwanted, unloved, and you send him to the electric chair. So you kill him now or you kill him later. Amazing. Peter. <laughs> For people who don't know Jesse Lee Peterson, you're missing out. Mr. Trump Jr., President Trump's eldest son, called Mr. Rogers' remarks truly sickening. <laughs> In a tweet Wednesday evening, writing, This is stomach curling and makes Ralph Northam look like a moderate on abortion. Every Democrat running for president needs to be asked where they stand on this. The extreme turn we've seen from the Dems on abortion recently is truly sickening. And Donald Trump Jr. taking a leaf out of his father's playbook, just just throwing a bit of fuel on the fire. Because I think for too long, people like this have been able to come out and say things like that, and they just get a free pass. Because because political correctness means, oh, we can't criticise this guy because he's a black guy, right? We can't criticise what he thinks. We can't criticise his opinion that abortion is good because we're just going to kill the kids later anyway. He's protected. But no, unfortunately, when you start coming out and calling people retarded, because remember, retarded is a bad word now. You're not allowed to say that anymore. So if you come out and start using anti-PC language, then the guard is removed, comrade. The protection is removed. You no longer get to hide behind political correctness. Now you're stepping out onto the field. Now you're stepping out into the free speech, anti-PC world. So you yourself, you cannot, there are no shields out here. Mr. Rogers responded to the criticism Thursday, saying he considered it an honour to be rebuked by the first son. His mother, his mother should have aborted him when he was born or he wouldn't have made that stupid statement, right? Mr. Rogers went on to say that Donald Trump Jr. was, quote, the best defense I got for abortion right there, looking at him. He's evidently retarded, uh, crazy, he said. Donald Trump's son, I know there's something wrong with that boy. It's the second time this week Mr. Rogers has publicly used the word retarded. He used the words Wednesday when arguing for the right for women to terminate their pregnancies if they learn their babies will be born with physical or mental disabilities. Some parents can't handle a child with problems, he said, according to the Alabama reporter. It could be retarded. It might have no arms and no legs. There he is. So to come out, to be to be uh, anti-abortion, gets you labelled a retarded person by this guy. This guy who says, well, what's the difference? You kill him now, you kill him later. 
and the babies might be retarded, so we better kill him. <laughs> so he's got no problem slinging the insult, so fuck him. Fuck him. You should have been aborted then, mate. If, if you believe in abortion so much, why don't you crawl back into that crevice that you were eked out of and put a knife where the sun don't shine or something along those lines? Why don't you crawl back into your mama's woo-woo and why don't you do, why don't you make a statement, pro-abortion statement? Crawl back into, back into your mother's vagina or is she your aunt or whoever your sister married back then? I don't know. Whichever brother your mother married, go and speak to him, call yourself an abomination and be done with it. Because, hey, we're all going to be dead one day anyway, right? No. Uh, yeah. We kill the babies now because we're going to kill them later. By the way, that guy over there, he retarded. Okay. Okay, son. <laughs> Good job, fella. Well done, sir. You shouldn't have making no calls about our babies. Oh, they are retarded. Gee, I wouldn't be going down. I wouldn't be going down the R word if I was this chap. Just quietly. He speaks like a Beatles album being played at half speed backwards. I wouldn't be calling anyone retarded, sir. Sir! You need to respect me. I'm an Alabama rep. No, I don't. I'm not even American. Go fuck yourself. Okay, so this story, let's bring it to Australia now. I'll give you a little bit of backstory here. Israel Folau. We touched on it the other day. Israel Folau is a rugby union player here in Australia probably the best rugby union player in Australia. And he's also a devout Christian. So he's been in trouble recently for coming out and saying Christian things like drunks, adulterers, and homosexuals will burn in hell. And he did this on his Instagram account for, he then, he was then honored with the privilege of being threatened with his job with the rugby union. Because apparently, if he expresses his own religious views on Instagram on his private account, this is now this now constitutes hate speech, according to the rugby union, the, the governing body of the rugby union. But the worm has turned. The worm hath turned, ladies and gentlemen. I want to show you something. Israel Folau refused the offer to save his rugby career. Israel Folau had one last chance to save his rugby career during a code of conduct hearing, but the star refused the offer. Israel Folau reportedly turned down one last chance to save his multi-million dollar contract from being torn up as he fights for his rugby career. According to The Telegraph, Folau was told if he took down his controversial Instagram post, which claimed hell awaited drunks, homosexuals and adulterers, and others unless they repent, it would be deemed as remorseful and would have potentially downgraded his code of conduct breach from high level to a low mid-level breach. So what the rugby union is essentially, they're essentially asking him by proxy to denounce his faith. That's what's happening here. Now, I don't think I don't think it necessarily means it's like a big anti-Christian position from the rugby union. It could be. It could be. But I think it's more 
sponsorship. It's more to do with money. You see, one of the ma- ma- one of the major sponsors for the Australian rugby union team is the airline company Qantas, and Qantas was very heavily involved in the pro-gay marriage vote that happened here a couple of years ago. Spent a lot of money on it. And so, of course, when somebody comes out and says homosexuals are going to go to burn in hell, then all of a sudden, we all of a sudden we believe in God again. You can't say that. That's offensive. Hang on. I thought I thought Christians were stupid for the things they believe. Why do you care so much? But do you see how the worm turns? Because he's refusing to bend over. He's refusing to kneel down and kiss the ring of power. So they're saying to him, look, if you just take the post down, it will look like you're being remorseful for your views, for your long-held Christian beliefs, and we'll let you keep playing. And he's giving them the big middle finger. Fuck you. Nope. Not doing it. Don't care. Tear up my contract. Couldn't care less. He's not denouncing his faith. And you know what? To be fair, people who defend Colin Kaepernick, you're free to do so. But I always thought the Colin Kaepernick thing was very hollow. He didn't really mean it. If he really meant what he was saying, he could have ripped off his jersey and walked out of the stadium and protested all he wanted to. But no, he cried. He whinged. Oh, it's not fair. It's a conspiracy. Nobody's going to pay me any money. I deserve to be playing. I should be allowed to play and do what I want at the same time. And then he took them to court and he complained and he cried, right? So Israel Folau, the rugby union comes to him and says, look, if you just take it down, if you denounce your faith publicly, which is essentially what he's being asked here to do, do you know who gets uh, people to denounce their Christianity publicly in like a kind of show trial? Extremists do that. Extremists around the world do that. Denounce your faith right now or else. Or else you won't be allowed to work. You won't be allowed to earn money. Denounce your faith right now, sir. And Israel's giving them the big middle finger. And now, I think what's happening now is the governing body of the rugby union is starting to get nervous. Because not many people would turn down a multi-million dollar contract for the sake of one Instagram post, would they? Most people would take a knee. Most people would kiss the ring of power and grovel at the feet of these money men. Please give me my contract back. Please give me my money back. I think that's what they expected. And see, by just standing up to these people and saying, no, to hell with you, I'm not going to denounce my faith publicly in order for your sponsor to get a victory here, public opinion starts to turn. Now even people who don't agree with what Israel Folau is saying are now against the rugby union, you see? You're like, they're like, really? Like, what's the difference? Who cares? If he believes that, it doesn't affect my life. Why the hell are you trying to get this guy to denounce his religion in order to keep playing rugby union? What what kind of tyrannical behavior is that? Who the fuck are you to decide what this guy believes in? Who the fuck are you to decide what this guy should and should not believe in his own personal, you know, head, in his own personal time? Who the fuck do you think you are? And what, you're essentially trying to bribe him with millions of dollars to keep playing rugby for you. He makes money for you. People come to watch him play. People buy tickets to watch him play. People buy merchandise with Falau written on the back of the fucking shirt. And you're trying to make him beg to play for your team by denouncing his faith? 
What kind of a sick motherfucker are you, Australian Rugby Union? What the hell is wrong with you? This this isn't how we roll here in the free world. You disgusting, tyrannical Stalin's ball sack. You pathetic cockroaches. You bottom-feeding snakes. So I want to show you a bit of public opinion here. This is this is uh, corporate media in Australia trying to trying to you know ingratiate themselves to the internet community. They have this little segment on the Today Show called the Chat Room. <laughs> it's called the Chat Room. But let me show you how um, Australians take to this kind of thing. Whereas I, I suspect in America, most of corporate media would be saying. That's disgusting. It's horrible. You can't say that about people. That's wrong to say that about people. It's homophobic, etc. Same thing in the UK. In the UK, it would have been wall-to-wall. Wall-to-wall agreement. This is homophobic. He must be done away with. He must be taken down. So let me show you how Australians are dealing with it. It is time now to head into the chat room with Nines Cameron Williams in Sydney and MBN's Gavin Morris in Newcastle. Welcome to both of you. Hi, Amber. G'day, Gav. First up today, Wallaby star Israel Folau has sparked controversy with another homophobic social media post. In the Instagram post... Another homophobic social media post? (laughs) He states that hell awaits drunks, homosexuals, adulterers and fornicators, to name a few, and he urged sinners to repent. Rugby Australia says the post is... See, standard, standard Christian fare, this stuff. This is standard Christian beliefs. This is mainstream Christian belief. And people, people, idiots in the corporate press, idiots in our daily lives want to say, you've got this crazy conspiracy theory that, you know, uh, people are trying to suppress and oppress Christians. What the hell is wrong with you? Are you you some kind of crazy flat earther or something? (laughs) In the typical dribbly way that they conduct themselves. Acceptable, and that the integrity unit has been called in to investigate. Oh, oh the rugby union integrity unit. Ooh. <laughs> the fucking integrity unit. The rugby union players who, when they aren't raping women, getting drunk at nightclubs, whipping each other with wet towels, insulting people when they go on tour, the rugby union integrity union needs to crack down on a guy who is literally a Christian preacher in his spare time. Oh, quick, quick, get the integrity unit onto this fucking bastard immediately. Sir, sir, we've got news reports coming out that three of our players uh, raped a girl and drugged her in a in a Queensland nightclub. Don't worry about that. We've, the integrity unit needs to investigate this guy who has Christian beliefs. I want the integrity unit so far up this guy's ass that he's afraid to shit. <laughs> it's a fucking integrity unit. Deploy the integrity units. Like, fly, my pretties, fly! Laughable. Let's carry on. Cam, what's your take on this? Oh, look, I did pause after I read his post this morning because I just wondered for a fraction of a second, you know, what if he's right? 
because <laughs> I'm in a few of those categories, you know. So, so I, 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 it did make me think, which I guess was the whole purpose of his post. But I, I'm afraid I can't buy into all the outrage about this. Uh, I, I don't care what Izzy Falau thinks. He, he's a really good footballer to watch. He's very skillful. He's the only reason you'd watch the Waratahs and pretty much the only reason you'd watch the Wallabies. He's, um, he, he's just not a factor in, in, in influence in my life. I don't care what he says. I don't care what he does. Now, I, I... Perfect answer. Perfect answer. Why is it that these, that these nihilists and atheists who apparently, you know, they spend 90% of their time mocking Christianity, saying how they don't believe in Christianity. Anybody who believes in Christianity is a fucking idiot, a science denier, a flat earther. Anything a Christian says is instantly wrong the second their words hit oxygen. That's their that's their viewpoint 90% of the time. So why is it then that the rest of the 10% is getting angry over the things that Christians say? If you If you don't believe in it, what difference does it make? Why do you care? What difference does it make if he if if you know he's a Christian or not? What difference does it make if he believes in what he believes? How can if if I don't care if I don't care what somebody believes, right? Just say somebody has some crazy whacked out religion like Wiccan or something, and I'm not a Wiccan. And a Wiccan comes out and says, if you don't become a Wiccan, then you're going to be, you know, in the next life, you're going to be sacrificed to the goat god or whatever the fuck they, those people believe in. I don't even want to know. But, like, why would I be offended like that? I'd go, ha okay, bro, see you there. Looking forward to hanging out in the barn with the goat gods, you know what I mean? Who gives a fuck? Oh, you can't say that. That's offensive. Why? You're not even a Christian. Why the hell would you be offended by it? So perfect answer from this guy. He can say what he likes. I don't care. I'm not a Christian. What, what difference does it make? He can Whatever he wants to believe in, he can believe in. And this is the point. This is the beauty of it. Because he is refusing to apologize. He's refusing to take down his post. This is the power. This is why Donald Trump getting elected is the most important thing. I'm not saying that this would have happened if Donald Trump didn't get elected, but he shows everybody how to defeat political correctness, which is it is thinner than a cigarette paper, the power of political correctness. And even when they wave millions of dollars in front of his face, he gives them the big middle finger. No, thanks. I'm not going to denounce my faith publicly for your benefit, sir. I'm going to continue on believing what I believe and you can go jump in a river of fire. Go fuck yourself. Carry on. Do I would care if he was doing it under the guise of representing Australia, but it's not. It's his personal account. I know he's been told by Rugby Australia not to do it and therefore they will probably have to act. um, (laughs) Rugby Australia. Rugby Australia said no. Oh, I mean, imagine, can you imagine how ridiculous this is? This looks to Israel Folau. Devout Christian, preaches Christianity in his spare time, and he's got a choice, God or Rugby Australia. Ooh. Izzy, are you sure you don't want to reconsider your views on God? I mean, the Rugby Union Integrity Unit is going to come after you. Ooh. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> Good on him. Good on him. Sensational. He's a hero. 
He's a hero. And it shouldn't he shouldn't even be considered in that frame. You know, he shouldn't even be considered a hero. But it's gotten so ridiculous now. The efforts by people to, you know, stand over you, control what you say, control what you think, control what you believe. The simple act of just giving the middle finger politely, saying, no, I don't think so, is enough to send everybody into a tailspin. And the word is growing that, that he may actually lose his job over this. I think it's all a bit of a shame. If I was a, a sponsor of Rugby Australia or the Waratahs, I wouldn't care that he had posted this. I would care that their results are no good and that I've hitched my wagon to a bunch of losers. That's what I would care oh, more about. Oh, hush. Gavin, do you think Falau should be punished by Rugby Australia? Yeah, I absolutely think he should be. Oh, I don't should think you? this Did is he? a climate that is really ready to tolerate religious fanaticism in any way. Religious fanaticism. <laughs> Again, I asked the question, who the fuck are you? See, it's it's peasants and peasants and gypsies like this fucking turkey over here who will call an Instagram post saying drunks and idolaters and adulterers and homosexuals will go to hell unless they repent. It is fucking brain-dead morons like this who will call that religious fanaticism, yet when somebody gets beheaded or when people get blown up, will turn around and say, well, let's not point any fingers. <laughs> You know, these people have very serious beliefs and maybe they've got a good reason for doing what they do. Maybe it's our fault. <laughs> religious fanaticism. An Instagram post, ladies and gentlemen. Religious fanaticism. Oh, 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 Billy. A shape or form. It may be his private account, but his employer is... See, look at the guy on the other side. He's looking at him like, you are a fucking tosspot, mate. You're off your tree. You are fucking insane. Religious fanaticism? Do you want to know what fanaticism is? Fanaticism is calling somebody's private religious opinion where they hurt nobody, where they post something on Instagram and where they preach their religion like in their spare time on the weekends. Fanaticism is calling that fanaticism. That is a view askew. That is somebody so completely detached from reality, living in the nice little bubble of the suits and the good-paying jobs and the cafe lattes and the newsroom where everybody agrees with your illiberal head-up-your-own-ass nonsense that you could turn around and call an Instagram post an example of religious fanaticism. You are a monkey, mate. You are a turkey. Well, rather prominent in this nation, and there's some pretty big sponsors in there. Drunks, one of the... Why, why, why does he talk like that? It's like he's doing an FM radio spot. Yes, well, there's this kind of... The culture isn't ready for this kind of for religious fanaticism. There's some big sponsors in there. I mean, drunks? What's, what about the alcohol companies? Yeah. <laughs> That's the toughest argument I've ever heard in my life. All of the alcohol companies have to come out and say, drink responsibly. So he's actually he's actually promoting by saying drunks will burn in hell unless they repent. He's actually promoting the alcohol company's own slogans. Drink responsibly, right? <laughs> oh, the alcohol companies, they have a right. They want people to get drunk. 
sponsors is Tui's. Qantas is the most accepting employers in the nation. Oh, uh, they're quite uh, offended by this. And that list, I, I don't like the list at all. You know what really perturbs <laughs> me about the list? He's bagging a lot of people in there, including Cam, I'm sorry, but yep. he's bagging a lot of Australians. But what about people, child abusers? He didn't put that in there. And... <laughs> <laughs> so what is he what is this guy actually angry about? He's angry about the people that he didn't put on the list. <laughs> Look, I don't like the list, but if you're going to make a list, you have to put everybody in there. He didn't put child abusers in there. He should have added more people to the fucking list, which he shouldn't have posted. <laughs> And, you know, sometimes you just have to stand back and wake up and, like, look st- look from the outside in and say, why the hell are we listening to these people? They can't even string one logical sentence together. This guy has no idea what he thinks. He just knows it makes him feel uncomfortable. That's it. The rest is a spewy, retarded, we're allowed to say that word again now, a spewy, retarded manifestation of his own stupidity. <laughs> Well, well, you know, I don't like the list. I'm offended, but lots of people are offended by the list. I mean, you know, he said drunks are going to hell. What about the beer companies? And I mean, you know, I don't like the list, but why didn't he put child abusers on the list? He shouldn't have done a list, but he should have put more people on the list. Go jump in the river, mate. You're a fucking idiot. You are a fucking moron. Sorry. You don't make any. You don't even know what your own opinion is. You just know it hurts your fee-fees and you don't like it. Just say that. That's fine. But he's got the suit on. He's on TV. We're supposed to listen to fuckwits like this. Sorry, I'm done. I'm not listening to these people anymore. You are a dribbling, drooling, incoherent moron who doesn't even have the clarity of thought enough to decide whether or not a list should be out there or whether the list should be more expansive and include more sinners. Because of that... gambling out, which was a big yeah. relief to me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, all of the gambling sponsors, they'd be happy yeah. with that one. Yeah. It comes off as a bit of a religious nutter, and that makes <laughs> a lot of us really quite uncomfortable. It doesn't matter the religion. I'm sorry, but we're just not in a climate that is ready to tolerate religious nutters, especially when they're... Religious nutter. <laughs> We're not in a climate that's ready to tolerate religious nutters. Well, I can tolerate it. Maybe you can't. And that's fine. But don't speak for my climate. Don't speak for my culture. If my culture has to be the illiberal dribbling nonsense that you spew, then I'm not part of your culture. Sorry, bro. Then there's two different cultures. You can have yours over there and I'll have mine over here. Oh, we can't. We're not in a climate right now to accept religious nutters. Well, maybe. What about? How about this? What if tomorrow the climate changes and we're not in the climate to accept overpaid, under-talented troglodytes on television spewing this shit at us like it means something? What if that's the climate tomorrow where people aren't ready to tolerate that? What are you going to do then? Then you'll be saying everybody needs to tolerate my views. I'm in the. I'm an important person. I have a mortgage. I have a TV contract. People care about what I think. You can't walk away from me. Don't you know who I am? I'm a TV star, baby. What if that's the climate tomorrow? Then what will happen?
What will you do then? You ideological nutter. Israel was in trouble last year, about a year ago. This is a government-funded television channel over here called SBS. They put out this little two-minute video because Israel Folau said something too Christian last year as well. And so they felt the need to respond. This is this is the your Australian Australians in the audience, this is your tax dollars at work here. This is one year ago, this video. To be honest, up until yesterday, I thought Israel Falau was a Mediterranean meat dish. Mm, this falau is fantastic. Remember, we don't like offending people. We must not offend people. It's wrong to offend people, especially people of colour who come from diverse backgrounds like Israel Falau. It's wrong to it's wrong to make jokes and offend people because of their religious views. Remember that? Remember? Because political correctness is all about being nice. So straight off the bat, I didn't know who he was. I thought he was food. Okay. Turns out he's a rugby player, very Christian, and currently in Trump. A few days back, Falau posted this pic on Insta. Your plan, God's plan, etc. And some rando asked him... What was God's plan for gay people? To which Falau responded... Hell! Caps <laughs> Unless they repent for their sins and turn to God. Yikes! Can you imagine Yikes. being a gay kid and actually thinking that you're going to be on fire for all eternity because... Can you imagine being a gay kid and thinking that you're going to be on fire for all eternity? I don't know. Can you imagine being somebody who only has a career because people are forced to pay your wage thanks to being part of a taxpayer-funded broadcasting corporation that nobody watches relatively? And then getting up there and slandering and making fun of and passively aggressively mocking Christian views whilst at the same time saying that children need to be protected because imagine hearing if they're gay. Imagine gay children for start. Imagine being a, a gay child hearing that you're going to burn in hell. How awful. You mustn't be allowed to say these things. By the way, I just thought Israel Folau was a kind of Mediterranean food. Right? of something that you can't help, it's not a great sentiment, is it? Oh. My initial reaction is to be like, hey, Israel, I'm going to let you finish, but maybe don't say such things out loud because you've Why got not? a high profile and the implication that gay people are somehow evil and deserving of eternal damnation is highly offensive, hurt... Highly offensive and hurtful. Highly offensive and hurtful. So remember, if it's highly offensive and hurtful, remember, we're in favour of political correctness. You're not allowed to say things that are offensive and hurtful to other people, right? Not a thing we're doing nowadays. But uh, then there's this other part of me that actually thinks him saying those things openly might be the better option here. Because yes. if you didn't know Falau's views were a bit... Uh, 16th century. 16th century views. <laughs> so... Him saying these things are offensive and hurtful because, I mean, like he's some kind, he's stuck in the 16th century. I mean, what about the last guy? He's a religious fanatic. It's religious extremism. These people, this is the thing. These people care not for offending people. They love offending people. They will offend people as often as possible. You know, I think it was James who posted the other day, uh, pro-abortion people dancing around little childlike gravestones doing some kind of weird fucking retarded ritual. I don't know what they were doing. Dancing around little childlike gravestones. 
And James asked the question, why are these people doing this? And I said, it's simple, just to trigger conservatives. That's why. That's literally the only reason they're doing it, to trigger conservatives. And, you know, mission accomplished. Because people pile on the outrage bandwagon. Oh, you can't say this. It's awful. It's awful. I say to hell with that. Just respond in kind. Pay no attention when these people say that you can't say offensive things. Pay no attention to when they claim to be offended because they have no reason, they have no problem whatsoever offending other people, insulting other people, diminishing other people, labelling other people. They love it. They do it daily. So why the hell should I care when you're offended? I don't. I don't care about you. I don't care about your life. I don't care about what you think is offensive. I don't care about your views. I don't even care if you exist at all. How about that? Oh, you can't say that. Imagine hearing that. Imagine hearing that. Sorry. Imagine it. There it is. I have I have no care at all for anything you have ever done or will ever do or anything you think, anything you feel. None, zero regard whatsoever. I do not respect your views and I don't have to. You are an irrelevant speck of dust in the universe that I could do without quite easily. How's that? Can I, is that, is, are you allowed to say that? Oh no, of course not. You've got to respect everybody. Bullshit. Not when they disagree with you, you don't. Then you can label them extremists, nutcases, fanatics, 16th century. Yeah, 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 yeah. You love offending people, so suck it up. Uh, this is a politician here in Australia for the Conservative Party, Corey Bernardi. This is his take on Israel Folau. Israel Folau has done nothing except put on his own social media site that you know there is a range of things that his religious beliefs consider to be sins. They're actions, they're not thoughts. It doesn't matter if someone is same-sex attracted. It's about the actions. And this is entirely mainstream religious teaching, whether society chooses to distance itself from it or not. And he's now being punished because he's not conforming with the views that um, Mr. Joyce wants Rugby Australia to uphold. Exactly. Now, there are millions of people in Australia who would agree with Israel Folau's do you genuinely believe millions would agree that homosexuals should repent and will go to hell? What he has pointed out is that there are a range of sins which are united by all monotheistic religious faiths. That includes Islam, Judaism, Christianity. And they have been there, they haven't been changed, they haven't been watered down for uh, millennia. The essence of religious belief is that there are rights and wrongs and absolutes rights and wrongs, and that people choose. We're all sinners. That's you know that's also a common uh, cause of Christianity. We're all sinners. We all should repent in the name of going to heaven and being saved. Now, people choose, and society chooses to ignore a number of things that the churches have traditionally regarded as sin. Um, I don't know how many people are out there condemning adulterers anymore, or, or people saying, you know, they, they justify things in a different way. They say, I'm addicted to sex, and that's excusing my behaviour. They adjust their lifestyle to the 21st century, which is the way uh, it should be. And that should be true too, except for the... I love, I love the way postmodernists approach it. It's like they, they, these, these idiots genuinely believe that their views, which have been cultivated since the 1960s, are just going to live on unquestioned into forever. You know what I mean? Well, we, we don't tolerate this kind of 
you know, we don't tolerate these kinds of religious opinions anymore because society has just changed and that and that's just the way it is. Can you imagine that level of you know, that level of self-aggrandizement? No. My view is the view that everybody should have, and it's offensive when people don't share it. <laughs> but they genuinely think that these postmodern ideologically retarded views of the last 50 years are just going to, they have a right to just go on unquestioned forever into the future. Sorry, it doesn't work like that. Society doesn't work like that. And it might be, you know, there might be a groundswell or there might be a proportion of society who agrees with you now, but that's not necessarily always going to be the case. And it's just it's insane to think that it is always going to be the case. I mean, what is what is Christianity? It's only... 2,000 years of shared experience and thought and study and teaching and preaching and philosophy and all the contributions to the world, that's all well and good. But my far left, uh, you know, intolerant views of the last 50 years where I can't even decide where people should piss anymore, like that that view, that's going to live forever. Your view, Sorry, that view's dead. That's finished. Today's culture is my culture and my views are just going to go on forevermore, unchallenged. And if you challenge them, then you're an awful person. Sorry, no, not buying it. Not buying it. They want us to believe that their views are so correct and so powerful and so infallible that the smallest one Instagram post is enough to bring it all crashing down. Again, that's double think. No, nobody agrees with these crazy religious nutcases. That's why they shouldn't be allowed to say what they think in case people read it. <laughs> Hang on. If he's so wrong, if he's so crazy, if he's so out there, why wouldn't you want it out there? Why wouldn't you want everybody to know? On the last video, look at some of the comments here. The comments are spectacular. See, now the first, the top comment with 99 likes, and I'm going to like it just because. I must agree with you, Israel. You spoke the truth. God bless you. That's all the guy said. That's all he said. And look at the tolerant people. They can't help themselves. Ha ha ha, you moron. I'm waiting for the other Bible bullshit like women are not allowed to teach. Your God is a non-existent joke. God doesn't exist and homophobic pieces of shit like you and Israel Folau need to be shot in the head. <laughs> Remember, we really don't want to offend people, do we? We really don't want to offend people. And I know going to the comments section of a video is, you know, plucking low-hanging fruit, but this is why I don't care anymore. This is um pfft. no, you don't you know you don't get evil, you don't get equal respect here. Sorry. Because your own opinion that certain opinions must not be said because they are offensive is cancelled out by the fact that you think people who have those opinions need to be shot in the head, but he's the extremist. He's the nutcase. You're the normal person. You're the sane, rational person who wants to shoot people in the head because they say things that you don't believe in. They don't force you to believe in them. They just say things that you don't believe in. So they're the nutcase, but you're the good guy. You are the sane, rational person because you want to shoot those people in the head. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, mate. Another person, another irrelevant speck of dust in time and space whose existence is surplus to requirements. 
We need more chlorine in the shallow end of the gene pool. And I'm not listening to these morons anymore. Sam says it best. At the end of the day, free speech is a liberal value. Indeed it is, Sam. Indeed it is. And, you know, trusted verify the other day with James R. on Sunday night. I made this very point. I went through all of the values, all of the liberal values. You're allowed to be a liberal conservative. That's a thing. What are liberal values? Small government, free markets, free speech, property rights, individual liberty. These people are not liberals. They claim to be liberals, but they're not. They are probably far too unintelligent to even know what liberal philosophy 101 even is. They would have no idea. They are empty shells of people waiting to be filled with corporate lines and totalitarian nonsense to just spew out at the first opportunity. Well, you're just a homophobe and you need to be shot in the head. I'm a liberal. That's the kind of shit we're dealing with here. All right. Who wants to do an impeachment rally? Yay! Are you guys ready for an impeachment rally? This will be fun. I've been looking forward to this all day. Let's change gears here. Accountable and show that nobody is above the law. In January, we delivered articles of impeachment to every single member of the House of Representatives. Since then, our supporters have made over 40,000 phone calls to their members, they have sent over 80,000 emails to their members, and they have completed over 200 visits to their representatives. Let's rewind it here. Advocates deliver 10 million plus petition signatures to Congress calling for the US House leadership to start impeachment of President Donald Trump. All of the big hitters were there at this thing. Check it out. It's America's favorite girl, guys. Linda Sarsour, yes. Thank you, Heidi. I am very honored and humbled to be here. My name is Linda Sarsour. I'm here with the Women's March. (laughs) Mitch McConnell recently said, we are not, we are done. We are tired. If I was genuinely trying to get public, you know, publicity for a rally, apparently where they ha- they have 10 million signatures, they managed uh, uh, uh they managed a huge 1.7,000 views on Periscope. Uh 10 million people apparently support this petition and around 50 people showed up to the rally. Two of them were uh democratic members of Congress by the way. So it was really 48 people because two of them were there because of work right? They were working. So they don't count as like making a field trip to a rally. Sorry. If you just step outside your office and you're at a rally, you don't count as an attendee. You didn't even have to catch a bus to be there. Sorry, bro. So we'll call it 48 people at the rally. Linda Sarsour. If I'm running one of these things and Linda Sarsour puts a hand up and says, yeah, I'll speak. I would genuinely, I'm giving you a free tip here. I'm giving you free advice. Comrades on the left, my Democrat brothers and sisters, free advice. If you want to be taken seriously, the culture is not ready for a religious fanatic. The culture has moved on from this kind of religious fanaticism. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Remember that? Remember that? No, but in all honesty, if I want good publicity and I want to be taken seriously, I don't I don't invite Linda Sarsour to speak at my rally. I'm, I'm giving you free tips here, Democrats. Calling Mitch McConnell, we are not done. The Mueller report is very clear. A hostile foreign government attacked us. 
<laughs> intervened in our 2016 elections to help Donald Trump win. This administration continues to derail, go around, and clearly obstruct investigations. Ah. We at the Women's March surveyed 85% of our women said that they were ready for impeachment proceedings against Donald Trump. Oh, 85% of the women at the Women's March wanted to impeach Donald Trump. Wow, bro, bombshell. <laughs> I would, I would say my my reaction is only eighty five percent. What were the other fifteen percent? What were they marshals or something? <laughs> you had fifteen percent of traitors in there. You need to be eliminated immediately. We knew that Donald Trump was unfit and unqualified from day one, which is why we organized the largest single day demonstration in American history, led by American women. Yeah. 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 Why would millions of women take to the streets? Because millions of women. Donald Trump is a sexist, racist, misogynist, xenophobe, homophobe, Islamophobe, transphobe. See, now when people say that to me, I don't even bother arguing anymore. Again, take the theme of tonight's show. Understand what I'm telling you here. These people don't care about insulting people. Political correctness is a myth. It's a farce. It's a fallacy. It only exists. It's 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 here's the thing it's kind of like christianity it's kind of like a religion it only really exists if you believe it if nobody believed in in god then there would be no christianity right if nobody believed in allah then allah wouldn't exist he he exists in the belief of the believers the same thing happens with political correctness if nobody believes in political correctness then it doesn't exist it ceases to exist So now when these people come up to me and say, Donald Trump, he's a racist, he's a sexist, he's a homophobe, blah, blah, blah. I look at them straight in the eye and say, yeah, isn't it great? <laughs> and then then I'm the arsehole. And then they get more enraged and I laugh in their face. I say, you are unhinged. But he's a sexist, you're a horrible person. Yep, yep. He's a homophobe, I know. Isn't it awesome? Don't you just love it? Because it's like, fuck you. Why, why should I take your incoherent rambling seriously? What what have you shown to me to display that you're capable of an open, um, humble conversation at this point? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You have shown in your actions and your words that you are completely incapable of an intellectual discussion. So why should I try? I'll just I'll just agree with you to shut you up. He's awful. He's He's this. He's sexist. He's a misogynist. I go, yep. And they go, but you like him. I go, yep. But 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 you can't like him because of those. Why not? I don't, I don't like you. <laughs> I can like and dislike whoever I like. I like him and I don't like you. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> Why bother? I'm no longer wasting time on people. And like just like that. The political, the political correctness myth just flies into space, never to be seen again. Just agree with them. And guess what? He proved us right. Yeah, you right. He proved us right. <laughs> this administration has stripped thousands of children from their parents. Uh, In fact, there are hundreds of children who continue to be separated from their parents. How awful. Only hundreds? Gee. 
if it's only hundreds, then I've got to say that uh, Donald Trump is really dragging the chain on this. I thought I thought it would have been millions by this point. I thought that he would have millions of children in cages by now. I'm I'm actually disappointed. He's he's letting the team down. Really, to be honest with you, he's being far too empathetic. What are you going to do? What are you going to say? <laughs> Go fuck yourself. And we don't even know when we're going to reunite them. Oh. This administration has stripped millions of health care, given tax breaks for the rich on the backs of working class people. Oh, yes, we this love the administration- working. I, I love it when these professional protesters preach to working class people. I am a working class person. Do you know what I dislike? People who roll in in chauffeur-driven cars and protest for a living. She gets paid to do this. She's never lifted a shovel. She's never chopped wood. She's never picked up garbage. She's never done. She's never mopped a floor. These are the privileged and entitled people in our society telling us that they care so much about the working class. She wouldn't know a working class lifestyle if she fell over and smashed her face into it. She wouldn't have the first fucking idea. She is a paid professional protester. Her job is to get up there behind the microphone and say these empty, shallow slogans and just accuse anybody who doesn't go along with it of being a racist. She's completely irrelevant to working class people. She she probably doesn't even know any working class people. Aside from the Mexican cleaner who cleans up her toilet, right? Aside from the Mexican gardener who makes sure her lawn is mowed, she probably doesn't interact with any working class people whatsoever. Zero. In particular, this president has lied and lied Lied, and lied lied. over and over again just to be refuted. Yeah. He has banned people who look like me and pray like me. (laughs) We love religious freedom again now. All of a sudden. (laughs) He's banned people who look like me. Me, 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 me. Me. What about me? He's banned people who look like me. With the uh, $500 designer sunglasses <laughs> and the working class lifestyle. He continues to be mm. a shame to oh. us as a people. He's a sh- shame. Shame. Oh, shame on you, Mr. President. Shame on you. So what are we doing? What precedent are we setting? People will say... I don't know. It's a pretty shitty precedent. The precedent we seem to be shedding is, uh, you know, allowing people like you to take up airspace. That's a terrible precedent. Well, we can't bring this to a vote because we might lose. Lose what? What we as the American people want to hold on to is we want to maintain our integrity and our dignity as a nation. So if we have to go to the Senate and we have to lose there, we can at least say that we did everything that we could and we were on the right side of history. (laughs) No, you you won't be on the right side of history. Oh, we're having fun tonight. <laughs> we're back. <laughs> now, that one wasn't me. I don't know who to attribute that one to, but it wasn't me. 
don't you love it? Damn speed bumps. Three thirty. Is that right? Three thirty-three UK time. There you go. They knocked down the wrong wall. <laughs> I don't know. Is this a new stream or is it the same stream? I'm not even sure. Please read it. Please retweet out. Please share. Let's get the folks back in. Let's keep this rocking and rolling. And we're back. It's, it looks like it's just going to be one of those days. We've already had one dropout. Just again, I'll just you know let you know. Um, if you download the podcast, you won't even know. We're just going to put all of these little sections together. It's a new one, is it? Lovely. Same. Some people are saying new. Some people are saying the same. Okay. Interesting. New stream part three. So this is part. This is part two of part two. Right. Got it. I didn't even get a chance to um, change the title. It was already up and running before I even had a chance to do that. So that's all right. We'll carry on. If you want to stick around, we'll carry on. We'll keep rolling. We'll keep doing what we do. My OCD kicks in though when it's all broken up into different parts. I get, I get twitchy. So where the hell were we? Oh, that's right. We were celebrating some diversity. We were making a difference in the world. 10 million petitions, ladies and gentlemen. 50 people show up for a rally. Fear is a choice. Fear is and a Nancy choice. And Nancy Pelosi is choosing to... <laughs> Fear is a choice. Again, how can you have a serious conversation with people who say things like fear is a choice? No, it's not. It's really not a choice. For example, if we dangle you over a cliff by your ankles, not you, Linda, we wouldn't do that to you. That would be racist. But let's say let's say a rich white Christian man, we dangle him over a cliff by his ankles. Actually, you know what? That probably wouldn't scare him because all the money that would fall out of his privileged pockets would probably fill the canyon to the point where he could just slide down casually like Scrooge McDuck all the way down to the canyon because the pile of money would be so high. But if we dangle somebody over a cliff by their ankles, are you going to stand there and say, well, fear is a choice. You have a choice not to be afraid. <laughs> no. Fear is an instinct. It's an instinct. And politicians are very adept at tapping into some of our base instincts, like fear. Like, for example, when you turn around and say Donald Trump is a sexist, racist, misogynistic homophobe who wants to, you know, rip children away from mothers and lock people up in cages, you are, you are at that point, you are using fear. What, what else do you think it is? What do you think you're doing at that point? You are using fear as a motivator to get, like I said, 48 people who look to be well into their 50s and 60s standing there behind you holding signs like Trump must be investigated. <laughs> it's like, fuck, what are you living in, 2015? We've done that. The investigation has happened, comrade. Get with the times, bro. Be afraid. Whether we lose that vote or not, don't let that be the factor that drives this impeachment inquiry. It probably should. Probably should be the factor. Uh, these people are so moronic, they don't understand that if they move to impeach Donald Trump, and I think Lucifer Sam would even agree with this, Lucifer's a Democrat, tell us what you think, Sam. I think if they move to impeach Donald Trump, they guarantee his re-election in 2020. No, like, no no question. 
No question about it. I want I want them to move to impeach Donald Trump because it would guarantee his re-election for another four years. It would absolutely... He would walk it in. <clears throat> he would walk it in if they tried to impeach. Just like, just like what happened with Bill Clinton. And Donald Trump's popularity is actually going up. It would be suicidal. Most people in the United States... I mean, I've read polls from all of the liberal sources and I'll, I'll give them the most generous uh, poll here. The most generous reading is that upwards of 60% of Americans do not want Donald Trump impeached. And that's the best one. Other ones are like 75, 70, 65. So the best case for the Democrats is they are outnumbered six to four on the impeachment question, which would be an electoral landslide in 2020. If we can equate those kinds of polling numbers to votes, it would be an electoral wipeout for the Democrats. They would lose the House, and not by a little bit. They would be smashed in all of the purple districts, and we're talking about 72, 73 purple districts that have very, very, very small margins. They would be completely and utterly obliterated in those districts. So I actually want them to move to impeach. And I says, but the problem is, I think Nancy Pelosi is far too wily. She's far too uh, politically cunning to go down that path. She's not going to be suckered in by the hard left who are doing it for their own reasons. Because they want to be the revolutionaries. They need to appeal. They want to be the ones out there beating the drums and holding the signs because they have no responsibility here. If if the Democrats lose the House in 2020 and lose the presidential election because the far left was pushing so hard for impeachment, guess what the far left does? The far left then blames the leadership of the Democrat Party for losing the election, even though it was their rhetoric that caused it, so they can then say to the people, that's why you need to replace the, the leadership of the Democrat Party with us, because they're not capable of impeaching, they're not capable of beating Donald Trump, and we are. That's why. It should be our convictions. It should be our principles. We should choose today to be on the right side of history. Be able to say to generations to come that we stood up. That we get to point to the decisions that we make made to protect our the right side of history. To protect our fellow Americans. Because we, as the American people, we are not afraid. Yes. We are ready to risk it all because our democracy is at stake and our democracy is worth it. We are worth it. Our children are worth it. And I will say to all my fellow Americans, to the House leadership, that it may seem that we're in a tight place right now, but there was a wonderful, powerful, bold abolitionist. Just got to let you know, at any point, the power could go out here. So <laughs> I think we're okay. I think we're okay. I've just been informed. We're going to have to shut the power off. If they shut the power off, I'll be back when it comes back on. Just so you know. Just so you know. Like I said, there's walls going down here. There's all sorts of shit happening. And we're too far into this to give up now. We've got far too much to get through. I did notice one of the lights go off, so I think we're okay. I think we'll be... I think we'll live. I think we can carry on. By the name of Harriet Beecher Stowe that said... When you get into a tight place and everything goes against you, till it seems as though you could not hang on a minute longer, never give up then. For that is just the place and time that the tide will turn. 
and the tide is turning and for you to help this tide turn faster let's make sure that we get an investigation and an impeachment inquiry to donald trump donald trump must go <laughs> let's get an investigation going about donald trump what have we what have we just been doing for the last two years can you believe this stuff it's time for an investigation. <laughs> Another one? Another one? A real one? No. This time we're going to have a real investigation, ladies and gentlemen. This time, this is the real stuff right here. <laughs> These people actually believe what they're saying. They think that people are on board with this. Again, apparently 10 million signatures on a petition, and I'm going to put this out there. I'm sorry, don't buy it. I've been around far too long and seen far too many bullshit petitions. I don't believe for one second that you got 10 million signatures on a petition, and I don't care. You can say, oh, it's true. You have to believe me. Look at the signatures. No, don't believe it. I've seen far too many of these little organizations just fucking lie. Lie. Pretend like they have a groundswell of support. If there's 10 million signatures on a petition, why did only 50 people turn up? Don't care. You're lying. It's bullshit. Don't give a fuck. If you want to go back in the archives, I did a podcast a while ago called The Dangerous Power of Storytelling. And that one triggered me. I was triggered by that. An award-winning author wrote a book about a would-be suicide bomber who walked into a library and was going to kill everybody in the library, a young boy. And in this book, the, uh, the child looks around, sees people enjoying books, enjoying literature, enjoying learning, and then decides that he can't do it. And he falls in love with books instead. This book was then criticized for promoting uh, anti-Islamic stereotypes. And the publisher pulled it off the shelves and the author came out and apologized. Sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to offend anyone when the message was exactly the opposite of that. And the people behind this outrage campaign, I did three Google, three clicks on a, on a mouse, three degrees of quote-unquote research, and I discovered that it was, it was something called like the Asian Writers Association. And I'm like, okay. And they said, we've got all of these signatures. We've got all of these authors who agree that this book is awful and needs to be ripped off the shelf. And the reason I looked into it, I thought, why would other authors demand that another book be taken off the shelf? Surely other authors are the ones who would stand up the most for um, another writer to be able to print what they want, right? Or are the authors now dic you know, dictating what books can and can't be burnt? It, it, I, it didn't make any sense to me. Knowing writers myself, like I don't know a single writer that would call for another book to be banned. That it makes no sense whatsoever. So I did a little investigation, and if you want to listen to the podcast, go back in the archives. It's called "The Dangerous Power of Storytelling," and it was something like the Asian Writers Association. And I looked up their website. The website was uh, created about um you know three weeks before this book was banned. And the website had two posts. The first post was saying, welcome to the Asian Writers Association. The second post was thanking all of the people who apparently signed a petition to get this book banned. I jumped on their Twitter page. Their Twitter page was started at the same time, three weeks earlier. It had 12 followers or something like that. 
apparently this groundswell of thousands of writers who wanted to ban this book because it was offensive came from a website that was started three weeks ago with two posts and a Twitter page that had 12 people following it. And that's just one example that I've personally looked into. Wherever there is an illiberal, totalitarian, tyrannous cockroach running around claiming that millions of people agree with something, there is a myth. There is a myth of popularity. There is the myth, the the illusion of support. So no, I don't believe it. I don't believe that you have 10 million signatures. I do believe what I see. And what I see is a very detached woman preaching for another investigation, completely ignoring the investigation that's just taken place, claiming she has 10 million signatures on a petition to a crowd of 50 people. That's what I see. Skip ahead here. This guy was entertaining. He got passionate in the way that only a nerdy guy can. Nerdily. Order that Congress has explicitly refused to fund. And conspiring to illegally influence the 2016 election through a series of secret hush money payments. Yeah. And now, with the release of the redacted version of the Mueller report, we know that the Trump campaign in 2016 had multiple contacts with officials linked to the Russian government (laughs) while that foreign government interfered with our election. (laughs) And that Donald Trump and his associates welcomed that illegal assistance. He's like a dog barking in a backyard. You know, they, they, they think, you know, people who do this kind of scientific research, they believe that dogs don't bark to get the attention of other dogs when they're on their own. Dogs are barking to announce their presence, right? It's a different It's a different thing. It sounds like the same thing, but it's different. A dog isn't barking to get you to come to them and pay attention to them. The dog is barking to announce to you that they're there. Do you see the slight difference here? That's their motivation. That's their internal motivation for barking. This guy is like a dog in a backyard. Right, 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 right. And nobody's paying attention. And he's going, I'm here. I have beliefs. I have things to say. Right, 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 right. And nobody cares. <laughs> it's just a dog barking in a backyard. Right. Look at me. I this is look at me. I have things to say. I'm important. I believe things. I have things that I want to say about the world. Right, 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 right. There's no interaction here. There's no engagement. You can't have a conversation with people like this. You just need to throw them a bone from time to time and hope that they shut up. Yeah, 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 he's evil. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's racist. Yeah, yeah, Russians, yep. Yeah, sure thing, bro. Sure thing. ...our nation and to start an impeachment investigation of this president. This is not just about Donald Trump. This is about us. It's about us. Who are we as a people? What are we? Who are we as a people? Uh, You look to be a collection of baby boomers and slightly deranged peoples who probably should be at work instead of at a rally with 48 other individuals. That's what you look like to me. Who are we as a people? Uh, Irrelevant noisemakers. See, this this guy here. We did um, one of these other... This guy is at all of the rallies. This guy is at all of these little protests. 
we did a show a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember what were they what were they talking about on that show. What were they complaining? Oh, they wanted the Mueller report released, right? The unredacted report. This was about three weeks ago. This guy was giving a speech there. He's at all of these things. Professional protesters, ladies and gentlemen. Paid, you, you people say paid protesters are a myth. No, 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 no. These people get paid. They do this for a living. They need outrage. They need to manufacture outrage because if they don't, they don't have a job. This is what an organizer does. This guy must have his own parking spot at all of these rallies. I don't even know his name, but he's at all of them. All of them that I watch, you know, in these live streams, he's there. <laughs> saying the exact same things at all of them. In the church, and I believe we call on response. Good afternoon, friends and family. Thank you for that. With special thanks to Credo, Women's March, Need to Impeach, Free Speech for the People, and By the People, it is an honor to be here with each of you. And, you know, the yogi in me, namaste, would not be complete if I didn't acknowledge this beautiful full circle moment. You see, just over three months ago, a couple blocks from here, 126 days ago, me and sister leave my beautiful sister in the struggle, and I stood on the stage and... Oh, I, I skipped over something. Do you remember last week when we did the anti-ice rally, and they wanted to get a chant going? Look... And every single way that we can, because we can't afford to do anything else. They tried to get a chant going, but it had no rhythm. It had no, you know, it had no pizzazz. It had no personality, this chant. And fuck me dead, they tried it again. She's like, let's get a chant going. Y'all ready? Ready. Okay, do you want to see do you want to see a sad, pathetic, low energy chant with 48 people? <laughs> this must have been she must have got this chant from my very first chant handbook that they hand out to five-year-old communists. I'm fired up, can't take it no more. 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 That's right. Whoa! <laughs> what a sad chant that is. Oh, you, you're really showing them. You're really showing them with that. You're really showing them with that. Do you want to see a chant, ladies and gentlemen? I'll show you a chant. This is a chant. That's a chant, girl. That's a chant, girlfriend. And why are we going to do that? You tell me. Which one's a chant and which one is not? Can't take it no more. I'm fired up. 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 Can't take it no more. That's right, love. Thank you. 
go. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, Representative Rashida Tlaib made an appearance. Impeach the motherfucker. Remember her? Incredible because this is how movements start. Yeah, yeah. You know, With people, 50 people think that it's about me introducing a bill or me introducing a resolution to look at the impeachable offenses of this president. No. no. Movements like this, movements around civil rights, movements around women's rights started in the streets, yep. in neighborhoods, in communities. Where- can, can you believe the audacity of this bitch to equate the civil rights movement to 48 detached individuals standing in a park going, can't take it no more. I'm fed up. Can't take it no more. She, she thinks this is the same as the civil rights movement. We demanded the United States Congress, the president of the United States. Oh, sorry, I'm not allowed to say bitch, am I? I'm not allowed to say that. That's offensive. Let's impeach the motherfucker. Yeah. Fuck, you've lost, you've lost your PC privileges. You've lost your protection privileges. You irrelevant pustule. Uh, demanded action, demanded change. And that's when we saw things like the Civil Rights Act being passed. That's when we saw finally women having the right to vote. Uh, this is because of movements like this, the grassroots movement. And I always tell people, this is your house. You tell us what to do. Yeah. And this is us telling this house what to do. Yeah. And yeah. I, I want to yeah. move on members across the country who are demanding to take action to hold this president accountable. Mm. We cannot set a precedent. I constantly say this and allow the rule of law to be eroded, to allow our democracy to be continued to be corrupted by this president. 10 million petitions are being delivered today, as you see. That's a popular population of the 12 smallest states combined. No, you don't have 12 million. You don't have 10 million signatures. I don't believe it. I don't believe it for a second. Uh, let's get Al Green. No, unfortunately, not Al Green the singer. Al Green the terrible population uh, po- here. politician. I trust that we will see some reporting uh, of this event through uh, your various media sources. <laughs> <laughs> he, thinks, he thinks the mainstream media is going to be out there reporting this shit show. He thinks this is going to be on CNN. Yes. Bombshell news. Today at CNN, 48, count them, 48 patriots stood up to Donald Trump in a park somewhere and listened to ridiculous chants being delivered by people that nobody knows. Also, Linda Sarsour was there tonight on the Situation Room. I'd like to start with a myth, if I may. There is this myth that the president... This is not true. The president does not want to be impeached. I'm so all would-be authoritarians, would-be tyrants. Whatever you want to do. Ah, that's better. Now this is Al Green. Is alright with me. Now it makes sense. So much better. Now this is a protest I can get involved with. I think everybody can get behind this. Is what I He's really feeling the vibe, isn't he? Well done. Well 
done, Al Green. Well done. Oh, baby. Up. Loving you <laughs> He's really getting into it. Feel the passion. Tragedy today is only 48 people turned out for an Al Green concert. There you go. <laughs> uh, I want to do this because we spoke about this the other day. We have the results are in, ladies and gentlemen. The results are in. Magic mushrooms are now legal in Denver, Colorado. <laughs> Douglas grows hallucinogenic mushrooms in a climate-controlled tent at the foot of his bed. It's like 80 degrees, 82. That's a common temperature for like the fruiting phase. He makes a few thousand dollars a year, selling to a small roster of local clients. Can you see like in these big tubs, there's these little white dots? Yeah, yeah. That's like the beginning of like the pinning process. I'd say it takes like nine days before they start to grow like really tall and they're about ready to be harvested. I can, I can just see people now like, oh, goody, another hallucinogenic drug on the market. Isn't it wonderful? <laughs> when, when readily available weed isn't enough, sleeping with fungus. <laughs> when readily available weed isn't enough, we need to kick it up a notch. Right now, none of this is legal. Douglas's real name is not Douglas. A lot of people. What? <laughs> so don't you think, I think he's had too many mushrooms. Are you, are you sure you're okay with us uh, putting your face and your voice and showing the inner workings of your illegal drug laboratory on, on television? Are you sure you're okay with that? Yeah, it's okay. I'll just call me Doug. <laughs> Do you want another shroom, bro? Dude, I'm Doug. Sure you are. <laughs> People don't want to take psychedelics. Oh, there's Doug. He's, he's well hidden. Oh, no, it's me. They've got me. They found me. <laughs> it's my long lost brother. There you go, Doug. Dougie boy. They're scared. It really comes down to like they're afraid of not being in control or of experiencing something that's really common, which is like ego. Doug, stop wearing your hat backwards. You know, mum always hated that. Kind Disillusion of or ego death. But it is illegal. Illegal to grow, illegal to sell, yes. illegal to possess. Illegal in every way possible. Yeah. So, yeah, they'd, they'd come fuck me up, for sure. Come fuck me up. That's why Douglas would be stoked if Denver passed a ballot initiative being considered today that would decriminalize using and possessing mushrooms. Douglas's bedroom operation would still be illegal. I know, we said it the other day. Um, I'm almost at the point now, like, let's just legalize all drugs. Because you know what? This is going to sound incredibly cynical, but I don't even care anymore. I'm beyond care at this point. Legalize all drugs. All of them. 
and you know what? Make the most deadly drugs the most easily available. And then that way we just because if you make the most deadly drugs readily available, then that's how you fix the drug problem. All of the people who really, really, really love deadly drugs are going to kill themselves, and then there won't be a drug problem. <laughs> it's not a problem once you're dead. You're no longer a drain on the economy. Uh, your family can move on, you know. Sure, there'll be some heartbreak in the short to midterm, but eventually all of the genetic strains who are predisposed to killing themselves with a needle in their arm up the back of an alleyway somewhere, they will die out. And then the rest of us who are, you know, not willing to go that full, the full length of the field, so to speak, with the hardcore drugs, well, then we'll be allowed to exist with each other and maybe smoke a, smoke a joint from time to time, eat too many Doritos and then fall asleep. How about that? And then we get up in the morning and we'll go to fucking work and, and laugh about it. We'll pop the occasional mushroom. Might do the occasional hit of cocaine or something and very rarely. Birthdays, Christmas, family events. And then we'll get up and go to work. We'll be functioning. And all of the people who aren't functioning, who just need to, you know, get those drugs into their systems as quickly as possible, as much as possible, if we legalize it, then, you know, there's no excuses. Then they can just go off. We'll, we'll even set up like a big ballroom. You know those kids' ballrooms that they have? Set up a big ballroom, free Cheetos for anybody in a big dispensary. They just open their mouth under it. We'll throw a can of water. We'll throw a bottle of water in there from time to time. Maybe some beef jerky. And, you know, if they make their way out of it, then it's like, okay, go back to work now. And if they don't, then, you know, once a week, there's a hole that opens up in the bottom of the ballroom, sucks out all of the human remains, and that goes to fertilize the mushroom fields for the next batch of people. Why not? Why not? It's, it shouldn't be government's job to protect people from themselves, and it's certainly not my job to protect people from themselves. Yes, I have empathy. No, I don't want to see people dying from drug overdoses. No, I don't want to see people who are drug addicted with personal problems and stuff. But at this point, if you keep legalizing everything, what difference does it make what I want? I can go around saying I really don't, I really don't want to see kids who are drug addicted dying in the streets with heroin overdoses, but it's not going to make any difference because you're just going to legalize everything anyway. So I might as well get used to the idea that there's going to be a lot of people who are dying of drug overdoses, and in that way I can get on with my life, knowing that I am completely powerless to stop it. But he knows that decriminalizing use is effectively the first step towards broader legalization. Case in point, in 2005, Denver became the first major city in America to decriminalize possession of weed. Colorado fully legalized recreational use seven years later. I mean, you can't have it both ways. You can't say to us that we need to do, you know, we need to feel sorry for people who are you know, predisposed to drug overdoses, but at the same time saying it's okay to take all the drugs. You can't have it both ways. If you want to make it okay to take all the drugs, then fine. Then you're not going to make me feel guilty when people die from taking too many drugs. Fuck you. I'm not playing that game. I'm not playing it that way. You don't get to, you don't get to insult people 
for not feeling guilty for other people killing themselves with drugs, whilst at the same time you're advocating that those people should have more access to drugs. It doesn't work that way. If you want people to feel bad about killing themselves over drugs, here's an idea. Stop giving them fucking drugs. How about that? But if you if you want to continue giving people drugs, supplying them with them drugs, then don't turn around to me and say that it's my fault. Sorry, don't give a fuck. Too bad now. It's, this is your problem. This blood is on your hands. I don't care. It's your life. It's your problem. It's your addiction. You deal with it. It's not me. Not my problem. Remember a big last weekend to push and contact voters and talk to people and educate people. Kevin Matthews is the campaign manager for Denver's Mushroom Initiative. For the past six months, he's devoted himself full-time to the cause. Hey, man. Vote yes on 301. Are you a Denver voter? Awesome, bro. Thank you. How come you're so invested in this? I mean, I, I, do you just happen to really like doing hallucinogenic <laughs> mushrooms? Well, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I love mushrooms. Okay. I'm actually one of those guys that actually likes the taste. They are not famed for their not famed flavor. For their no. I like the taste. <laughs> yeah. um, I attribute no longer suffering from major depression to one big experience that I had almost a decade ago using mushrooms. And Great. Happy for you. Happy for him. Well done. He no longer suffers depression because he took mushrooms a decade ago. Beautiful. That is a pro-drug happy happy ending story. Love it. Well done, sir. Congratulations. Congratulations. You win. You won. You won the game of life. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. But congratulations. I'm happy for you. Well done. See, the drug legalization thing, I've been on both sides of the argument. I've been on the side of like harm minimization, but harm minimization doesn't work. It doesn't work. It just means people have more easily, uh, readily available access to drugs in a safer environment. But then I'm kind of like, well, why should we make it easier if it's wrong? If you're telling me that it's wrong to take drugs, why am, we, why am I making it easier for people to take them? It doesn't make any logical sense to me. And they come up with all these reasons. Yes, but you know... Uh, people die because they take bad drugs. And I'm like, well, okay, if people die because they take bad drugs and it's wrong to take drugs, then what the fuck do you want me to do? So, okay, it's either right or it's wrong to take drugs. If it's right to take drugs, then legalize them all and stop telling me that it's fucking wrong whilst you're giving, giving more drugs to people. What am I missing here? Make a choice. You can't have it both ways. Can't have it both ways. So apparently now mushrooms, shrooms are legal in Denver, Colorado, the last place that really needed more psychedelic drugs with their lack of oxygen and whatnot. But hey, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I don't Like I said, I don't care anymore. BBC fires Danny Baker over racist royal baby tweet. Yes. Another royal baby tweet gone awry. Uh, is UK, UK Neil, are you still in the chat? Danny Baker. I remember, was Danny Baker on, um, I used to listen to a... F I used to listen to talk sport a lot a few years ago. Um, I haven't listened because they do great Premier League stuff. But to be fair, I haven't listened for a few years because I'm a Southampton fan. And, you know, like, uh, uh, Southampton, yeah. okay, I'm not doing too well. <laughs> so I haven't listened for a couple of years. But I think Danny Baker was on talk sport up until not long ago. Or has he always been on BBC? I'm not sure. But Danny Baker, he's not like a right-wing conservative guy. 
He's like he's like your typical morning radio. All right, let's let's talk about a footer then. So Chelsea had a big win over the weekend. What? You, how about Maurizio Pochettino getting Spurs into the Champions League final? Yeah, it's fucking all right, isn't it? He's it's like like laddie um, UK style radio presentation. Not offensive generally. I imagine he's probably a bit of a lefty when it comes to his personal political beliefs. You know what I mean? But if you're in the prem- if you're involved in the Premier League, you kind of have to be a lefty because you know over half of the league is fucking foreign born anyway. So, oh, he's Millwall. Oh shit, <laughs> Danny Baker. Well, then he might be a fascist. <laughs> Natalie, thanks for joining us. Boogie, your audience seems to have experience with shrooms. Baby boomers, seventies were great. Oh dear, oh dear. But I mean, drugs are different now, aren't they? Drugs aren't the, the drugs that they have today aren't the same drugs that they were, were in the 70s. It's totally different. London, a BBC radio personality was fired on Thursday after tweeting an image of a couple holding hands with a suited chimpanzee alongside the caption, Royal Baby Leaves Hospital. The radio host, Danny Baker, who had an anarchic Saturday, mo- Saturday, Saturday, Saturday morning call-in show on the British broadcaster's national news and sports station, Radio 5 Live, Posted the tweet Wednesday evening after hours uh, hours after the Duke and Duchess of Sussex introduced their newborn son to the world. Mr. Baker deleted his tweet within hours, but it circulated wildly online and drew outrage for its racist imagery. British social media users called for the BBC to fire him because we're so tolerant. We're so tolerant now. He announced his firing with another tweet Thursday morning. Radio 5 Live confirmed the news in a statement calling Mr. Baker's initial tweet a serious error of judgment that goes against the values as a station uh, we as a station aim to embody. Danny's a brilliant broadcaster but will no longer be presenting a weekly show with us. They won't show us the tweet, by the way. Mr. Baker attempted an apology, tweeting first, sorry, my gag pick of the little fella in the posh outfit was whipped up some. Never occurred to me because, well, mind not diseased. Once again, sincere apologies for the stupid, unthinking gag pick earlier was supposed to be a joke about royals versus circus animals in posh clothes, but interpreted as about monkeys and race, so rightly deleted. And this is a beautiful lesson for Danny Baker. This is a beautiful lesson. It doesn't matter if you apologize. It doesn't matter if you didn't mean it. Because the object isn't about empathy. It's not about understanding. It's about taking scalps. It's always about taking scalps. That's why Israel Folau is being, you know, sacked from doing his job. Oh, somebody's, oh, thank you. Somebody's posted the image. In the YouTube, let me grab that link. Oh, it says it says I do not have permission to access the server. <laughs> I don't have permission to access uh, WordPress content uploads on this server. Oh dear. Look, I'll show you. There you go. So I can't, I can't. They're not letting me see the image. It must be too. It must be too outrageous. It must be too racist. Thanks anyway, Kev. But the damage has been done. Critics were swift to call out both Mr. Baker's initial post and those that attempted to explain away the situation. Dr. Fern Riddell, who I've got no idea who she is, and I don't care who she is. Are you kidding? 
Danny Baker has worked in the media since the 1970s, most commonly as a football pundit. Of course he knows connecting that certain specific photo to the specific event is racist. He even had to search for it. So, not only does Danny Baker post an image comparing a baby with African heritage to an ape, but he has the audacity to say that the problem is that, that those of us who point out how racist it is must have diseased minds. London Hughes, Danny Baker, a man I've worked with in the past, knew full well what that tweet was suggesting. No comedian in their right mind could overlook that. That's not how our brains work. We see a joke from every angle. Yes, you're special, London. He knew it was racist, thought it was funny, and posted it anyway. Who cares what you think? She knows the inner workings of this guy's mind better than he does. He comes out and says, no, no, that wasn't the angle I was going for with that tweet. That wasn't the angle I was going for. They say, too fucking bad. I know what your inner thoughts are better than you do. And you're out of there. Okay, here's the, here's, oh, here it is. Thank you so much, Kev. I'm going to put that up. This is the offensive racist tweet that got him fired. This. Look at that. This is what the outrage is for. Do you believe it? Wow. How awful, huh? How outrageous. How awful and outrageous and must not be tolerated. Yeah, exactly. Brett Harris in the chat is like, shit, really? <laughs> right? That's it? That's it? This is it? Can you believe it? Royal baby leaves hospital. That's it. The chimp does look adorable in that little suit and his little bowler hat. That's it. That's all it was. Uh, let's hear from the man himself, Danny Baker. See what he's got to say for himself. This racist, this evil person. By the blood, I'm pretty much paying for it. As journalists gathered on his doorstep, Danny Baker was forced to defend himself against accusations of racism. See, forced to defend himself. This is what it's about. It's about taking scalps. It's not about the inherent racist... It's not about causing offence. They don't care about offence. And it's certainly not about any kind of apology that you offer after the fact. We know this. If you come out and apologize, it's like blood in the water. They can smell weakness at that point. They are never going to stop now. They are never going to stop. They won't be happy unless Danny Baker never, ever works in broadcasting ever again. And he might have worked in broadcasting since the 70s, but guess what? If he ever pops up ever again, they will be there. No, you can't hire him. He's awful. He's a racist. He needs to be ostracized from society forever. Because they're never satisfied. If somebody does something that really, really offends you, and that person, and you demand an apology, is the apology going to make you feel better about those initial feelings of offense? Of course not. You can't turn back time. 
You can't go back in time and not be offended. The demanding of apologies in this space is all about power. It's having the power to make somebody denounce their own speech. Look at the first story we did tonight with Israel Folau. Devout Christian, preaches on the weekend in his spare time. He's being fired from his job as a professional footballer because he had the audacity to tweet out that drunks, uh, adulterers, and homosexuals will go to hell unless they repent. Standard Christian belief. Standard Christian fare. And they've come out to him and said, look, just take the post down and you'll be allowed to keep playing and you'll get to keep your multi-million dollar contract. And he's given them the big middle finger. No, fuck you. I'm not taking it down because they want, it's not about apologies. It's not about what making him feel better. It's not about making other people feel better who claim to be offended. It's about power. And they want to have the power to say to, we have the power to make you denounce your own speech. We have the power to make you denounce your own beliefs. Kiss the ring. Take a knee and kiss the ring and maybe we'll let you back in. Maybe we'll let you keep your job. Maybe we'll let you keep playing rugby. That's what it's about. It's all about power. Nothing to do with being offended. Nothing to do with an apology. Everything to do with the power over somebody else taking a scalp and making somebody denounce their own thoughts and their own actions and their own belief. Otherwise, you've got to believe that after 40 years in this racket, I decided to tear off the whiskers and reveal myself as, you know, a, a far-right loon with a grotesque imagery. And I'm aware of the trope down the years of, of course, monkeys and, and race. But to suggest that I went with that anyway is absurd and grotesque, and you'd have to have a diseased mind. This is the tweet that many felt was racist. A couple holding hands with a chimpanzee, captioned, Royal Baby Leaves Hospital. It came on the same day the Duke and Duchess of Sussex showed off their newborn baby. The radio DJ soon deleted the post and apologised. But the BBC wasted no time in sacking him from his weekly five... Within minutes, he was out of there. He was out of there. <laughs> Within minutes. Chopping block. Live show saying Danny made a serious... <laughs> Brett in the chat. If he comes out as gay, they might let it go. That's true. Although, to be fair, the gays are right down on the totem pole now in terms of uh, the offenderati decathlon. The offenderati uh, hierarchy of power, the gays are no longer at the top of the tree, I'm, I'm here to tell you. The gays have become too mainstream now. There's too many gay conservatives now. So now the gays have been pushed down. They're well below the Muslims. They're well below below racial issues. The gays, <laughs> nobody's got any sympathy for gays anymore. Sorry, bro. Error of judgment on social media last night, and it goes against the values we live and breathe on this radio station. I think it's a bit weaselly the BBC chapters under a bus giving credence to the more <laughs> vampiric stories that are swirling about. But can you understand why yeah. this has caused controversy? Yeah, I didn't know which of our royal princesses had given birth. I didn't. Is ignorance really an excuse? In that, yes, of course, if you're ignorant of it. But I didn't. Is ignorance really an excuse? See, at that point, I would say to the woman holding the microphone who's like trying to interrogate me, I would say, hey, look, sweet cheeks, why don't you just get the fuck off my doorstep? Why don't you just, why don't you just turn around and twaddle off back to your little fucking office Go have yourself a muffin and a cappuccino and get the fuck out of my life. 
because I don't care what you, I'm not going to stand here and be accused of, you know, oh, is ignorance a question? Like, who the fuck are you? I don't even know your name. Why are you even talking to me? But we get dragged into these cycles. We have to explain ourselves. We have to throw ourselves on the mercy of the reporters, of the media, right? Where are you trying to make? Uh, uh, about class. Author Afwa Hirsch has just written a book about race and identity in Britain. Here's an unknown pissant that nobody cares about who's just written a book about race and identity. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> Who cares? I don't care. Do you care? <laughs> Here's an unknown person who's just written a book. Oh. <laughs> That's laughable. <laughs> Who the fuck is this woman? Who made her who made her the authority on this topic? Honestly. I've done I'm done. They love just rolling out these unknown people. Like, they, 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 these are your experts. These are the people you're supposed to listen to. Oh, oh, okay. Sorry. I, I didn't know that I'm supposed to hand over all judgment and all creativity and all of my own personal thoughts and views and perceptions about the world. I didn't know I was supposed to just hand that in to some chick talking on a street who just, she just wrote a book. Oh, my God. She, <laughs> like, who cares? <laughs> the fact that they have to say that she just wrote a book should tell you all you need to know. Like, if this was somebody that you absolutely must listen to, we would already know about her. She just wrote a book about identity and race. Who hasn't written a book about identity and race? <laughs> Afwa Hirsch has just written a book about race and identity in Britain. Even if you take Danny Baker's so-called apology at face value, so ignorance apology. is not a defence. There's no excuse to not know about racism. We all live in a racial... But I don't know about you. Is that a defence? I have no idea who you are or why I should listen to you. I have no idea what your expertise is. I have no idea what your opinions are. I have no idea why you are being interviewed. Is that an excuse? Can I use that? Ignorance is not an excuse. Yes, it is. Actually, you know what? You're right. It's not an excuse. It's a privilege. I'm fuck. I'm I'm over the. I'm overjoyed that I don't know who you are. I am. I'm over. I'm over the moon knowing that I don't know anything about you, and I want to keep it that way. So ignorance might not be an excuse. It's a preferable state of being when it comes to you lunatics. Society, and I think everyone, particularly people in a public position, have a responsibility. Some might find it astonishing that a national broadcaster like Dan astonishing Danny <laughs> Baker didn't even know that the royal baby born this week was Harry and Meghan's, and that he was therefore completely oblivious to any racist interpretation. See, th these are the same people who try to say, on on the one hand. Um, the royal family is a manifestation of power and privilege and unearned privilege and stuff, and we should do away with the royal family. But then when it suits them, everybody should know everything about the royal family at all times. This is There is just a constant snake-eating-its-own-tail logical circle going on here. <laughs> Someone in the chat, she's dog-whistling me. <laughs> Probably the only person in the world who didn't Somebody know that, that Harry and Meghan were Listen to this. You're probably the only person in the world who didn't know that Harry and Meghan were having a baby.
<laughs> Brett in the chat. A mate used to have a phrase, this is culturally irrelevant. <laughs> having a baby. No, but somebody else, I've no royal baby. But you're talking to somebody else on a mobile phone. Prince Harry once attacked the racial overtones of comments about his wife. Aww. Now it seems even his newborn baby won't escape scrutiny. Oh, God. Won't escape scrutiny. It's, it's, the problem is bottom feeders like you in the press, darling, I'm sorry to say, you perpetuate the problems that the royal family have when it comes to constantly being scrutinised because of things like this. You're the ones who want to constantly talk about the royal family, talk about you know who's, in, who's talking, who's saying what about the royal family and so on and so forth. It never fucking ends. And then you act surprised when people, people want to talk about the royal family. Get a grip. Uh, somebody sent me this. I think this was Original Rev who sent this through during the week. Let me throw this up for you. Uh, exorcism performed on leftist court on camera. So Bingo. Yes, you are. Now, Jezebel, she doesn't want you. you got to leave. <laughs> Do you have a legal right to be there? Yes or no? A legal right, yes or no? If you did, you'd be telling me, Jezebel, and you know it. I don't know about you, but that's kind of hot. Possessed chicks are kind of hot. God. God. We left the, say we left the curse. Say we left the curse. We left the curse. I mean, sure, she may reach for a kitchen knife and cut your heart out at any moment, but isn't that all part of the thrill? We left the curse. We left the gates. A fire and death. We left the gates. Oh, this is not nice. We left the gates. Uh, you'll like this. Girl who lost legs after being hit by a train sets up a hilarious Tinder profile. Mandy Horvath, who took a mystery and a horrible misfortune and spun it into one of the cleverest Tinder profiles ever. There's the lovely young lady. Keep calm. It's just a wheelchair. In 2014, she celebrated her 21st birthday with friends in a bar in her hometown of Steel City, Nebraska. She drank two beers and two shots, a fact supported by her bar tab and her recorded blood alcohol level. But something terrible happened to Mandy that night. Because she believes one of her drinks had been spiked with a date rape drug, she has no recollection of what happened next. She was found later that night lying on train tracks half a mile away from the bar with both her legs missing. Yeah. Yeah, see, I've woken up after a big night on the town and I'm like, shit, I can't find my wallet. Where the fuck is my wallet? And, you know, it's like the end of the world. Imagine waking up and you can't find your legs. Wow. <laughs> it's a different level. <laughs> different level entirely. 
because busy doctors were busy trying to save... <laughs> I hate bad writing. Because busy doctors were busy. That's, that's like writing. How do these people get these fucking jobs? Is AI already writing these shitty articles and these tabloid papers? Because who's, who's editing this garbage? We know busy doctors are busy. You've already said that they're busy doctors. You don't have to say that the busy doctors were busy. The running people were running. The flying plane was flying. The swimming fish were swimming. You don't have to that you don't have to double up like that. Sorry. I get a bit I get a bit anal retentive for this kind of shit. Because busy doctors were busy trying to save the young woman's life, they didn't think to administer a test for date rape drugs and the opportunity to investigate the crime was missed. At the time it was believed that Mandy had attempted suicide, an assertion she completely rejects. The mystery of how she came to be on this train track is unlikely ever to be solved, but Mandy has refused to let her disability get her down. Good on you. Good on you, young lady. Apart from scaling a couple of serious mountains, she has also crafted the most brilliant and hilarious Tinder profile you're likely to see. Mandy lists her plus points, and she is a pretty young girl, isn't she? <laughs> this is her plus points. See, this, this is what you... This is how you um, embrace life, right? These are what these are the things she's put on Tinder. I'll never run away from you. <laughs> you get front row parking. Technically, I can still doggy paddle, even though I have sexy land roving bionic legs. I have similar functionalities to a vacuum cleaner, easily portable. I come on wheels and I suck. It's not uncomfortable for my feet to be above my head. <laughs> Face, 10 out of 10. Body, 8 out of 10. Legs, 0 0.5 out of 2. <laughs> well done. Well done, young lady. <laughs> she says that she enjoys banter with potential dates and shared pickup lines she's heard, such as, for a girl with no legs, you've been running around my mind all day. Boo! Boo! Well done. Yes, how to un-PC yourself. Excellent work. I love that. Man kept mother's body at home after her death last June. Police in Kanazawa, Ishikawa Prefecture said Monday they have arrested a 78-year-old man on suspicion of abandoning the body of his mother, who was in her 90s, at their home. According to police, Katsuyoshi Nabata, who lived alone with his mother and said that his mother died last June, Sanki Shimbun reported... Her decayed body was found by Nabata's 47-year-old son on Saturday night when he came to visit his father and grandmother for the Golden Week holidays. He found his grandmother's corpse on the bed in the first floor bedroom and notified police. Ew. Ew. <laughs> like, there's two things to consider here. Um, one, it's obviously horrific that you would leave a corpse in your house for almost a year. But the second thing is the 78-year-old guy was still living at home with his mother. <laughs> like she probably died of a broken heart. When the hell is my son going to get his life together? Get the hell out of here. Norman Bates, exactly. 
On Sunday, Nabata was located at a hot spring facility and arrested. He was just out having a spa. <laughs> Where's mum? Oh, she's at home. Ah, <laughs> oh, there you go. Local media reported that he, he told police he had continued to collect his mother's pension after she died. There, there it is. There it is. There was money in it. There was money in it. That's why. That's why he did it. Going to move this one there. Whoops. White designer sees world through African eyes despite never having visited confident. Uh, consonant. Ugh, it's getting late. Continent. There she is. Miss Africa. Fashion designer Victoria Rose Wilson has not yet visited any of sub-Saharan Africa's 46 countries. Thanks to her multicultural upbringing, however, she says that she can see things from an African person's perspective. Oh, big smacks. That's a big no-no. But maybe she's right. Maybe we can now see things from other people's perspective because haven't we been taught all along that that's what we're supposed to do, right? Aren't we supposed to see things from the perspectives of other people from other nationalities and other cultures in this multicultural melting pot, right? Isn't that the way things are supposed to be? How can we be against it? She's embracing diversity. Victoria, 37, from Sandy Beds, is forging a career in designing African clothing. The designer was brought up on the council estates in Essex in East London. She tells the Daily Star, It's how I grew up. I get the music. I understand how they see things through their eyes in the fact that I was on the same end of what they would normally see. There you go. The whitest African in England, ladies and gentlemen. All right. I think we'll take a quick five-minute break. When we come back, we'll get into your tweets that you sent through on the Twitter. Thanks so much for joining us. If you stick around, I'll see you in five. If you don't, I'll see you next time. And so long, sucker. Hello, everybody. This is Chris McDonald. I want to take this opportunity to invite you to listen to our Mac Files broadcast every Monday through Friday night from 9.30 to 10.30 right here on Periscope, YouTube, and Facebook Live. We always have a wide variety of guests that talk about faith, make America great again, the nation, President Trump. We deal with a lot of law enforcement issues, a lot of immigration issues, and issues that are very relevant to the time that we live in. Friday nights, 1130, the one and only James R. joins us for Pirate Radio, one of the liveliest shows late night that you'll ever have. And then Sunday nights, we have Pastor Ronnie Mitchell join us at 8.30 p.m. for our Sunday night faith chat. And be there. We're looking for you. Join us each week. Aloha, James R. here. When I'm not in court defending the boys from the starting block against slander charges. Alleged! Yes, yes. Alleged. I'm hosting Trust and Verify with Boogie Bumper every Sunday night at 1 a.m. on TABshow.com. Join us and all your favorite broadcasters there. TABshow.com friend and foe alike. Join me, Varun Prasad, every week on the Common Discourse Weekly Roundup podcast. You can follow the show on at TCD Tweet on Twitter and Periscope. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, Stream Me, iTunes, or your preferred podcast platform. If you like what you hear, or you would like to express your raging discontent, please consider leaving us a review. The Common Discourse, independent political opinion, thought, and analysis for the people, by the people. Do you lie awake at night pondering life's big questions? 
Is there a God? What is the meaning of life? How would one do an hour-long sports show without ever actually talking about sport? If yes, we can help you answer 33% of these pressing questions. All you have to do is check out the starting block on TAVshow.com, Periscope, Stream Me, or YouTube, Wednesday mornings at 3am Eastern Standard Time. You can also download the podcast on iTunes just by searching for The Starting Block in the store or at thestartingblock.podbean.com. Or if you're really desperate for answers, why not check us out on Twitter, at The Starting Block. No K at the end, don't forget to drop that K. Enlightenment is now only a click away. So that's why that kind of political speak, those kinds of comments, whether I witness them or they're thrown directly at me, they just don't bother me anymore. I, I laugh. Because I know basically the entire, you know, the entire ideological platform on the left and has is built on fear and always has been. Remember, it's it's there's fear of capitalism because those greedy business owners, they're going to starve you to death. They're going to work you to death. That's built on fear. There's fear of the rich. The rich are trying to keep you down squashing you trampling on your dreams you need to get rid of them that's selling fear there's fear of freedom i mean why do why do you think why do you think safe spaces exist the people accusing you of selling fear and paranoia literally endorse the creation of safe spaces in universities and triggering warnings trigger warnings just in case someone might present a piece of educational material, whether it be in some kind of book or movie, that may stroke them in a negative way emotionally. The people accusing you of selling fear and paranoia literally need to be warned about material in books in universities before they hear it. And they say you're the ones pushing fear. In reality, they are the ones that exist and live and breathe in a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year campaign of fear. Fear of everything outside the norm that's been constructed within the bounds of the ideology itself. Because their fear, real or imagined, is what motivates them to accuse you of using fear against them.
Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for sticking around. If you did, if you didn't, so long, sucker. It's the Daily Boogie Part 2. Your contributions. Thanks so much for joining us. It's been one of those shows. We've had two false starts, things not working, sound going out. Like I said, if you just download the podcast, look for The Daily Boogie on Podbean or iTunes or Last FM or Player FM. It'll all be shrunk. You won't even know the difference. <laughs> It'll all be an illusion. I am tempted to play something just before we get into your tweets, ladies and gentlemen, um, that I've had saved up for a couple of days. I haven't seen it yet. Do you want to see the boyfriend from hell? I don't know. Press one if you want to see the boyfriend from hell. And I have another one, The Rise of the Right, Populism in Germany, BBC, but that can probably wait till next week. We'll probably do that on a show next week. We have a show here. There goes the sound again. <laughs> one, one, one. All right. Everyone wants to see the boyfriend from hell. We have a show here in, Aust- here in Australia called A Current Affair. It's kind of like a crappy tabloid TV show where they do all the usual tricks, but this looks like fun. Let's see what the boyfriend from hell looks like. John Lewington is a wannabe property mogul whose business mostly ends in misery. In fact, he'll go to pretty much any length to seal a deal, even stinging his girlfriend's mothers. Nice. Isn't that really just the ultimate mother-in-law revenge, though? Really? Let's be honest. It'll be okay. I hope so. Mm, I hope so. Yeah, it will be. Oh, I mean, John's destroyed me. He's absolutely destroyed me. These people want to know where their money is, John. I paid $370,000 for a house, and this is all I've got. It's been months of tears. What sort of a low life? Gee, he seems to chew through the girlfriends, doesn't he? Targets <laughs> their girlfriends and mothers. Pardon? It's heartbreaking. It's sickening. It makes me furious. There's a lot of people who want to know where their money is, John. Well, they know where it is, They don't. They do. They don't. It's pretty disgusting. It's it's despicable, really. You should go away, buddy. Lovely looking house. This is where John Lewington lives. And these are the half-built homes of his clients. (laughs) This is the dream home. This is the dream home. That has apparently turned into a nightmare. Jeff and Tracy's home has been sitting like this for seven months. This should be your living room. That's it, yep. This should be the living room. This is the living area here. And all it is is clumps of leaves and... Yeah, pretty much. And the longer it stays like this, the more it dilapidates. Accentra, the company they signed to build with, is in liquidation with nearly $2 million in debt. John Lewington was a director and shareholder. Nice Lambo It's really there. painful to see this because this was our last home. This was it, you know. This is what we've been working for. 
What See ma- the way they do the editing with the music and everything like that. Makes the pain even worse is that John Lewington is engaged to Tracy's daughter Jane. Oh, that makes doesn't that make dinner at the at the in-laws tricky? <laughs> How many months do you think they are sat like that before before Sunday roast became an issue of like, so John, by the way, um, how's that construction coming along? I know you're having regular sex with my daughter. If you could find your way to building the house, that would be super. <laughs> they went with the Centra to help support John's fledgling business, but not long after signing the contract, things turned sour oh. and Jade has stuck by her man. I did try to reach out to Jade. Stand by your man. Numerous times. Um, just asked what I'd done. To deserve this. Um, and uh, she just tells me I'm a liar. And she just won't tell me what I've done and what we've done. And, and she just refuses to speak to me. Oh, Mum, she's got a Lamborghini now. She doesn't need you anymore. Right? Sounds harsh, but let's be honest here, Mum. You just you're a liar. The house, the house is you've you've got it all wrong about John. John's a great guy. You just don't understand him. Selfies in the Lamborghini. <laughs> Who needs parents when you've got money? He was even your parents' money. <laughs> like an angel just coming down, a knight in shining armor just coming along. Aren't they always just, though? Yeah, just being there for us and picking us up off our feet. Perry Timo was also once engaged to John Lewington. Wow. It was during a period when her grandmother and then her father passed away. And so I think that made us very, very... Pauline in the chat, John's got a nice bum too. <laughs> very vulnerable. Um, and I think he preyed on that. Perry's mum, Deidre, needed financial advice, particularly with a protracted battle for her late husband's contested estate. I mean, I really looked upon him as a really... as a really good son-in-law at one stage. Because I guess with the girls having lost their dad, he kind of took over that role. Thanks for joining us, Seb. He also took control of Deidre's finances, including this, the family home of 20 years where she'd raised her children and paid the mortgage off. Okay. Just a little question. And I'm not picking sides here. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm on one guy's side or another guy's side, but I am a very, very bitter and twisted and cynical person. When you as the host come out and say, he also took control of the family's finances. What? Like at gunpoint. Right. So what, he just wandered in and started decided started deciding where Nana was going to start spending her money? He just took Granny's purse off her? No, probably not. Right, so he was the knight in shining armour. He was protecting us. He was doing everything for us. It was like a dream come true. So that's why I decided to sign over my estate to him. Uh, what? What? <laughs> what? That that's probably your first red flag. That's probably the first sign that something isn't right. <laughs> my potential son-in-law wants to control all of my money. Why? Why? Yes, exactly. They wanted the Lambos. Who doesn't want a Lambo?
to zero. John offered to renovate the place so her greatest asset could be sold and ensure a comfortable retirement. Deidre expected the work to cost two to $300,000, but when she came to sell the property, she discovered it had a $700,000 mortgage on it with no idea of where that money went. What did John do to this nest egg of yours? Well, he kind of destroyed it. He took, he took it away from me. He took that away from me, and that I can never forgive. It's got to be a little bit of responsibility here, though, surely. It was your house. It was your money. You signed the paperwork. You know, like, I don't, I don't like seeing people get ripped off. Don't get me wrong. Not an evil person, but... If you sign over your the the if you literally sign over the control of your own money to somebody else, then like you know what I mean? Don't give me tears, man, at that point. Fuck, you're the generation that the younger generations are supposed to learn from. How the and I bet I guarantee you it's 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 older people who get out there and say, Oh, the kids these days, they don't know how to handle their money. I'll be back with you in a second. I'm just going to sign over my life savings to this fucking idiot who's promising me all, all of these wonderful things, this Nigerian prince here who's going to promise me all of this, all of these riches and all of these promises and this wonderful thing. <laughs> We're supposed to be learning from you how to handle money, not the other way around. John Lewington also invested $260,000 of her savings and super, which are now missing. Instead of preparing for a comfortable retirement, this 59-year-old is now working two jobs, mm -hmm. including night shifts, packing supermarket shelves. Yeah, it's shit. He's completely stripped of everything. Just stripped it away from her, without a care in the world. Sometimes investments go bad. Just for his own selfishness and his own gain. I mean, John's destroyed me. He's absolutely destroyed me, emotionally. Financially, yeah, but emotionally, he's... He totally destroyed me. Hi, John. They always do these moves on this show. They approach them on the street and then they chase them down the road with the camera, asking them questions that they can't answer. Dan Nolan from A Current Affair, how are you going? When we caught up with John Lewington, he was evasive to say the least. They've left a lot of customers high and dry, yet your house is all built. How do you think that's fair? My house? Who are you? What's the My house? Who are you? That's what I would say too. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> when we approached John, he was evasive to say the least. Who are you? <laughs> Why are you sticking a camera in my face? Who the fuck are you, man? <laughs> it's for sale. Whose is it? It's not mine. Is it your partner's? It is my partner. This wannabe property tycoon wants to see my ID and thinks that asking him questions is somehow illegal. That's fine, we're on public property, we're not breaking any laws here. We've since discovered... Yeah, that's a dick move. I'm going to have to call the police. You don't have to answer their questions, Johnny boy. That's the other thing. John, Johnny, John, listen to me now. Just because they're there asking you questions doesn't mean you have to answer, right? <laughs> I'm going to call the police. No, 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 don't, don't do that. Don't do that to me, John. Just just say, who the fuck are you? Like, I'm not answering your dumb questions. Here, here's my, get, flick him a business card. Flick him a business card, say, write me an email, and if you want some renovations done, get in charge. I know a guy. <laughs> I know a great guy. He's a hell of a guy. 
John Lewington is under police investigation himself for three separate allegations of fraud. Oh, he's, no he's a bad boy. Have yet been laid. You've got a history of ripping off your How? girlfriend's mothers. No. What about Perry Timo and her mum? What happened to her mum's money? Information. What happened to her mum's? To be fair, I'm starting to suspect the worst of John because he's doing that high-pitched response thing. So the guy, the bearded guy, is saying to him, you've got a history of ripping off your girlfriend's mothers. What about, oh, I forget what her name was, something, Timo. He's like, what about her? <laughs> I don't know what you're, t- where are you getting your information, mate? When they do start to go up in octaves, I start to suspect the worst. Because if you come back coolly and casually and say, what about her? I don't know what you're talking about. No, that's, you've got the wrong information, mate. And, you know, just take it in your stride and keep walking. But when, you, when the eyebrows start going north and the, and the pitch of the voice starts going up to match the eyebrows, what are you talking about? Where are you getting your information, mate? Then I'm like, oh, okay, this guy's dirty. <laughs> Very shallow, of course. Money In her house, she just sold it. How hard is it to track down where this money's gone? It's a nightmare. Deidre and Perry are still trying to unravel the complex trail of investments and property deals John Lewington made. Well, yeah, well, you know what? You should have probably you probably should have done your research before you signed over the money to him in the first place. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Is that harsh? Am I being a bad person? Am I being an awful person by saying that? You tell me. You let me know. All right, let's get to your stuff. First of all, uh, from Beth. Beth was very busy on the Twitter feed. And thanks, everyone who contributed to the Twitter. The Twitter. Send in your contributions. Let's go through it. Always my favorite part of the show. It is the free-for-all. Part three of the free-for-all. So thanks for sticking around through all of the false starts, ladies and gentlemen. McDonald's takes on an international twist. Just what our fat asses in the Western world have been waiting for. Let's have a look. The Dow Jones snapping its two-session losing streak with a slight two-point increase. The S&P 500 and the Nasdaq both falling just a little. Lawmakers and major retailers working to get cigarettes and e-cigarettes out of the hands of America's youth. Walmart raising the age to buy tobacco at their stores from 18 to 21. (laughs) See, this is the thing. We were talking about internet regulation the other day. And these governments and these politicians coming out saying, we need to fix social media. We need to take offensive content off the internet. I'm like, you can't even stop 15-year-olds from smoking. How are you going to stop 15-year-olds from, you know, saying mean things to other 15-year-olds on fucking Facebook? You utter frauds. Don't tell me how you're going to solve the, the problem of mean people saying things on the internet when you can't even solve the problem of which hole people should piss in when they go to Target. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> These people are always like, oh, we can fix all of your problems. They can't fix anything. It's all a myth. It's all a rouge. We have the solution. We're, we are go- We can't stop 15-year-olds from smoking cigarettes, but we're going to be able to fix the problem of offensive content on the internet worldwide. Okay, sure you are. Sure you are, sir. You're a genius, sir. And senators across the U.S. campaigning to bring that policy to every store in their state as well. And- See, look, it's as if they've already addressed all of the other problems in society. Senators are campaigning to lift the age of that cigarettes can be sold from 18 to 21. It's like, oh, have you, have you solved immigration, have you? 
Have you solved the deficit? Why the, why the fuck is this your target? Why are you focusing on raising the smoking age three years? Like, are we, are we that far down the list of to-do things? Sure, there's record amounts of people flooding over the southern border in the United States, but the real issue is some kids are smoking at the age of 19. We've got to put a stop to that. <laughs> Senators are campaigning to get the smoking age lifted from 18 to 21. Why, why don't you do your fucking job first, man? Haven't you got Haven't you got something else to worry about? Insane. And McDonald's is welcoming four international additions to the yes. menu starting in June. You can try a tomato mozzarella chicken sandwich Ew. from Canada, Ew. a Grand McStreme bacon okay. burger from Spain, Stroopwafel McFlurry from the Netherlands, or cheesy bacon fries straight from the land down under. Yeah, cheesy bacon fries. I'm a bit shitty that we only got fries, though. I'm a bit shitty that we only got fries. We can do a pretty good sandwich here, too, you know. But yes, cheesy bacon fries from the land down under. You didn't know what you were missing. Neil sent this through, President Trump's remarks. I think the video, yeah, it's an hour. Price of prescription drugs. Let's go to a certain bit. Let's see if we can find a random bit of goodness here. I can't watch the whole speech. Dr. Davis and Liz would like to tell you about their story. Hi, Dr. Howie. Thank you, Liz. Because people were saying, oh, he was taking aim at everyone, so. The fact that even a very good health care bill may work together. Democrats and Republicans can do this, and I really think it's going to be something that will be acted on quickly. John, what do you think? Right? Lamar, right? They could have done a fish and chips. Yes, of course. Great. That would be fantastic. That would be fantastic. We have great support in the White House. Great support in the White House. And I want to thank everybody for being here. Tremendous support. Hopefully you won't have any stories like that again, Drew. That was uh, not good. He has strong views on things, but that's okay. I actually temper John, which is pretty amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Nobody thought that was going to I'm the one that tempers him. But they were able to go back years and find out who made the calls. One was a local real estate developer. The other was a great person from NASCAR. He took two of them and a friend of Don's. This went on for a year and a half. John, you heard all about the phone calls to... Obviously, the father, where I knew, I never knew about the meeting. He does say very relaxed, doesn't he? To the father. Turned out not to be the phone calls. <laughs> I don't My know what the fuck he's talking person. about. My son testified for hours and hours. My son was totally exonerated by Mueller, who, frankly, does not like Donald Trump. Me, this <laughs> Donald Trump. And frankly, for... My son, after being exonerated, to now get a subpoena to go again and speak again after close to 20 hours of telling everybody that would listen. Because they're not going to stop, Donald. That's the thing. They're not going to stop. It's not about truth. It's not about finding some truth in the investigation. It's got nothing to do with that. It's about keeping the conversation rolling as long as possible so you can keep the idiotic smear machine in the press rolling as long as possible. That's what it's about. It's not about anything else. It's what it's always been about because it's politics. Struggling CNN cuts staff even as it moves to fancy new digs. Let's have a look here. See CNN's fancy new digs. 
of those crappy videos. Uh, struggling CNN is reducing headcount as the network moves into a luxurious new headquarters, leaving some staffers worried in the process. I wonder if John has built their new headquarters. Wouldn't that be a lovely twist of fate? Taking the money from Brian Stelter's mum. Over 100 CNN employees have already decided to accept a voluntary buyout option with CNN International Executive Vice President Tony Maddox among the staffers departing the ratings challenge network after 21 years at the company. Yes! Couldn't happen to a nicer pack of assholes. CNN confirmed the buyouts after rumours began circulating that there would be mass layoffs at the network because they're doing so well. See, here at CNN, we're doing so well and business is good because we're covering the truth. We did the story a few, I don't know, it was last week. I think it was last week. Um, CNN's top rating primetime show is Chris Cuomo's, believe it or not, and it's actually the 26th most popular, uh, most popular show. It's not even in the top five. It's not even the top 10. It's not even the top 20. It's number 26 on the list, and that is CNN's best show. Um, Hannity's number one. Tucker is number two. They, sh- they those two numbers should be reversed, in my opinion. And um, Rachel Maddow is number three. And Chris Cuomo, best best top of the pops for CNN, comes in at a stellar twenty six. It's like a good effort. That's a go home with a well done badge. That's a thanks for participating ribbon for Chris Cuomo. Well done, sir. Rank and file employees have indicated. So I'm sure I'm sure the quality and the fact checking is going to get a lot more. Uh, it's it's going to get a lot better at CNN now that they're laying off a hundred people, right? <laughs> That's all. It's only up from here. Rank and file employees have indicated to Fox News that they're unaware if layoffs will follow the buyout. While one staffer said the move to a shiny new address has been a welcome distraction, and it's somewhere in there. <laughs> To make matters worse, cable news rivals Fox News and MSNBC finished atop of the list. Fox News was the most watched primetime network, averaging 2.4 million viewers compared to only 700,000 for CNN. CNN's in-house media reporter Brian Stelter was mocked when he addressed the buyouts on Twitter. There's a rumour making the rounds today about big impending layoffs at CNN. A CNN spokeswoman is knocking it down on the record. No layoffs. See, he can't even lie. He can't even lie effectively anymore, Brian Stelter. Brian Stelter took to Twitter to say that there are no layoffs on the same day that CNN announced that they were laying off 100 people. <laughs> oh, Brian. Oh, Brian. Bri, Bri. Poor Brian. <laughs> He's a fucking tool. He's a tool. <laughs> he just he, he just can't win. He just cannot win. President Trump's furious reaction to Facebook's action showcases that he is, I'm sorry to say, the InfoWars president. Oh, wait, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for... The Weekly... Carry on with Bri Bri. 
He is promoting the same alternative universe as InfoWars and sharing videos from repugnant characters. Now, InfoWars, of course, is that web show and website led by Rageaholic web Alex show. Jones. Full of fear-mongering and conspiracies. Web show. It's a web show. He's also on, I think, like 200 affiliate TV and radio stations as well. <laughs> Better not mention that because we do real news here at CNN. Conspiracy theorizing. InfoWars tells viewers that the world is out to get them. Jones is... <laughs> That's my favorite line from this little idiotic cavalcade of monstrosity. I can't even think of the word. I can't even put into words how dumb this is. He says, Brian, InfoWars tries to make out that the whole world is out to get them when this very segment that Brian is presenting is about all of the companies trying to deplatform Alex Jones. <laughs> Alex Jones is a conspiracy theorist who says that big tech is targeting him and taking him off his platforms. Coming up after the break, why it's a good idea that uh, Facebook and other platforms removed Alex Jones. <laughs> he likes to think that the whole world is out to get him, but it's only CNN and all of the major networks. I've seen multiple lawsuits related to his lies about the Sandy Hook school massacre uh, yeah. and the murder of DNC staffer Seth Rich. Yeah. But none of this seems to repel President Trump. No. InfoWars content is useful to him. Mm. InfoWars personalities align with him. He, yeah. he even gave an interview to Alex Jones back on the campaign trail. Yes, he did. On Saturday, Trump went on a Twitter spree and said, it's so great to watch this while sharing a video from InfoWars. So wow. And we actually played that video on the show last week. And that video is uh, Trump supporters, black Trump supporters, speaking about how much they love the president and how the people screaming at them from the other side of the street are insane. And this is the repugnant information. These are the lies. <laughs> Actual direct in-the-street interviews with people. <laughs> oh, the repugnant lies, ladies and gentlemen, the conspiracy theories. So repeat no, no black people ever like info. No black people like Donald Trump. That's a conspiracy theory. Retweeted. Nobody's getting laid off. A guy named Paul Joseph Watson, one of the InfoWars figures who's been banned by Facebook. He also retweeted a strange video about Islam from a user named <laughs> Deep State Exposed. A strange video about Islam. No, 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 no. It's. <laughs> See, this guy thinks in propaganda. He thinks in reframing propaganda. He can't help it. It's just his programming. That is his sop. That is that is like that is his natural inclination is to think in propaganda. Donald Trump tweeted a strange video about Islam. It's one of the mullahs saying that we will conquer the American people. It's not a strange video about Islam. It's one of the foremost thinkers in Islam speaking for himself. Do you see the do you see the very subtle difference here, Brian? It would be like it would be like saying uh, if you retweeted a video from the Pope saying something about Jesus that you retweeted a strange video about Christianity. <laughs> That's what he's saying. <laughs> he retweeted a strange video about Islam. It buys into the QAnon theory. This is this is troubling stuff. A lot of troubling, it is troubling stuff. stuff. And at the same time, the president's decrying Facebook's action. Now, you may have heard about this. Facebook decided to block uh, six users as well as InfoWars as an organization. 
The high-profile names include Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan, who's been called out for his anti- Farrakhan 2024. Let's get that trending. Semitism, as well as Paul Nealon, uh, who is a congressional candidate who also has clearly anti-Semitic. Why not? Let's really fuck with them. Let's get Louis Farrakhan 2020 trending on Twitter. Then see what happens. <laughs> just, just to fuck with them. Views. So you can see here, there's six people, there's one organization banned, and it's not just Facebook. Trump has also been complaining about Twitter, how Twitter sometimes suspends or briefly uh, puts counts into a timeout period. He's complaining about James Woods, the actor and right-wing uh, star uh, who right now is on a Twitter timeout. Look, the president is clearly trying to- The right-wing star. <laughs> James Woods, the actor and right-wing star. <laughs> yes. Yes. Wait, there's one more applicant. Name? James Woods. Previous job experience? Ooh, uh, true believer, uh, Salvador, Onion Field, uh, the hard way. Wait, wait a minute. Those aren't convenience stores. That sounds like the resume of a Hollywood movie star. <laughs> yeah, well. <gasps> James, James Woods. Woods. Why would you want to work at a quickie mart? <laughs> well, <laughs> <you know. laughs> because I'm a right wing fascist banned on Twitter and nobody will hire me anymore. In my upcoming movie, I'm going to be playing this tightly wound convenience store clerk and you know, I kind of like to research my roles and really get into it. For instance, True Believer. I actually worked in a law firm for two months. And, and the, the film Chaplin, I had a little cameo on that. I actually traveled in time back to the 20s where, well, I, I, I've said too much. Welcome aboard. 75, 85, 90, and a dollar. Thank you, and come again. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, uh, uh, can I just ask you a question? Did you, did you believe that? I mean... The way I gave you the change, did I sound like a real Quickie Mart, you know, kind of guy? Actually, I thought it was a little labored. Huh. You gotta lose yourself in the moment, man. Yeah, like, yeah, okay, great, okay, let, let's just try that again, okay, come on. Hey, come on, hey, 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 get over here. Okay, now you're you, I'm me. I'm me? Hey, don't jerk me around, fella. <laughs> One of the best lines ever in The Simpsons. Maybe he's just acting to be a conservative. Who knows? He's so convincing. He's so fucking talented that maybe he's just pretending to be a conservative for our amusement. Nadler once called hold a contempt vote shameful, now leads charge against Barr. Yes, I played that clip the other day from Newsbusters. This is what the journalist was saying back in 2012 um, about Eric Holder being held in contempt. Check it out. Given what we know about the Republican Party and the way the House of Representatives conducts itself when run by Republicans and with a Democrat in the White House, it shouldn't really count as news when a House committee finds the Democratic Attorney General in contempt of Congress. Every single Republican voted to hold the Attorney General in contempt over this crazy conspiracy theory. Tell the Republicans to stop this witch hunt now. 
He's right. Why go ahead with a contempt vote? Look, there are certain internal documents that are not Congress's business. Well, why? It just looks like more of our broken politics and vicious fights now out in the open. A party in the Congress that does just about nothing to create jobs or to help people without jobs decided the best way to do their job is to shower the Obama administration with subpoenas. See, if you are a person who watches Fox News all day, it is possible that you have been marinating in this conspiracy theory for long enough now that this seems feasible. <laughs> well, is this sort of stop and frisk at the highest level? Go at the attorney general, get him to empty his pockets. It looks like stop and frisk, doesn't it? Let me finish with my personal views of the stop and frisk thing. And I don't mean to use this term too much, but it's almost like a stop and frisk. Did you see the little image there in the bottom too? Fight the power. <laughs> the mainstream media resistance, ladies and gentlemen. Jerry Nadler says we are now in a constitutional crisis. Let's have a look. Senate Majority Whip John Thune is with us right now, Republican from South Dakota. Senator, this move right now for the Senate Intelligence Committee to subpoena Donald Trump Jr. to testify, what does that mean? Well, I think what it, what it means, Neil, is that the Senate Intelligence Committee is uh, doing their diligence on this side. Their investigation has been very bipartisan. They're wrapping it up. And I suspect this is probably uh, one of the last things that they'll do before uh, they get ready to file their report. But, um, you know, this thing has been looked at multiple ways. You now have the Mueller report. It's all out there. Uh, no collusion. That's the conclusion that they came to. And the Democrats in the House who uh, seem in, in insistent on, you know, continuing to drag this thing out, I think are, are missing what the American people care about. The American people think this issue is done. Uh, the Washington bubble and the folks who have uh, Trump derangement syndrome here in Washington, D.C. and a lot of the Democrats. Isn't it funny, though, to see these, like, start shirts and these press suits um, now, they're now using terms like Trump derangement syndrome. They're now, if you're on the Democrat side, you're now bringing a bucket of chicken to Congress and, like, trying to meme things and taking photos with a toy chicken and stuff. And these people have the audacity to collectively say, like, Donald Trump is the one destroying the democratic norms, but he's really making them all fucking crazy. He's turning them all insane. Like, these 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 buttoned-up Republicans are using terms like Trump derangement syndrome, and Democrats on the other side are bringing KFC to Congress. <laughs> Sometimes you have to pinch yourself and go, wow, is this really fucking happening or what? Just join the walkout of the House chamber to protest the shameful, politically motivated GOP vote holding AG Holder in contempt. Jerry Nadler. Back in the day. What is happening here is shameful, said Pelosi. After the contempt vote on Wednesday, conservatives pointed to the vintage Nadler tweet as an example of a double standard. Ah, the irony. Political hack's going to hack, Donald Trump Jr. tweeted. The thing is, but hypocrisy and stuff, nobody cares. They don't care if they're being hypocritical. The three laws of politics, ladies and gentlemen, everything is either to get power, keep power, or stop your opponents from taking it. So they don't care if they're being hypocritical. If it means in the short term, in that very moment, that they can somehow get power, stop, uh, keep power, or stop somebody else from taking it, they will do it. And everything in politics washes through those three prisms. Everything. Every press conference, every press release, every statement, every action, every vote, every debate, every bill... Every policy is all about either get power, keep power, or stop stop someone else from taking it. And if you don't control those three things, then you can't get anything done. It sucks, but it's true. 
Supreme Court of the United States must clarify that district judges can decide no more than the cases before them. It's imperative that we restore the historic tradition that district judges do not set policy for the whole nation. Well, that makes sense to me from Mike Pence. Why, why are district judges deciding what Donald Trump can and can't do? That seems like this is way out of your... I don't know. Maybe TV has lied to me, but I seem to remember that like police and state troopers can't tra- they can't chase criminals over state lines sometimes, right? Oh, this is out of our jurisdiction. But you've got judges in Hawaii who are deciding what Donald Trump can and can't do in Washington, D.C. That doesn't make any sense to me. I could be wrong. Like, I'm obviously clueless when it comes to that side of it. But it just doesn't seem right. (laughs) Baltimore hit by ransomware attack, forcing officials to shut down the city servers. Baltimore uh, Mayor Bernard Jack Young said Wednesday that IT teams were working to recover from a devastating cyber attack the day before that had forced officials to shut down most of the city's internet servers. Obviously the Russians, I assume. Young and City IT Director Frank Johnson briefed reporters on the hack but didn't say how long it would take for the city to be up and running again. I don't care what kind of systems you put in place, they always find a way to infect your system, Young said. I know we're all going to do what we can to solve this issue and put up other protections. Johnson said the ransomware involved is called Robin Hood and described it as very aggressive. Stealing from the rich and giving to the poor, of course. Thousands of city employees were told Tuesday to unplug their computers and some departments even sent their workers home for the day as experts tried to stop the cyber bleeding after the ransomware virus spread throughout the network. The Department of Public Works tweeted that both in that both its email and customer service phone lines were not working and told residents trying to pay off their bill trying to pay their bill to hold off. Yeah, and then they'll slam you for not paying your bill on time. <laughs> and Beth wrote, I'm wondering if this has anything to do with what happened in MD lately. I'm of the school there are no such things as coincidences. Baltimore hit by ransomware attack forcing officials to shut down the city service. Don't know, could be right, don't know. I don't know. Brazil, Klobuchar had many common sense answers during her town hall. Let's have a look and see what Donna's got to say for herself. If she had many common sense answers, maybe she was getting the answer. Maybe Donna Brazil was giving her the answers in advance. Who knows? It's a question tonight from one of our town hall participants that many in the 2020 field, including Joe Biden, are grappling with. Watch this. Why should progressive support you? I am a proven progressive. The last time I checked, the last time I checked, why should progressives support you? Because I'm a progressive. Bravo. Give her a round of applause for that, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to be a progressive and support progressives, then you're supposed to make progress. <laughs> it's just such mindless shit. Uh, how does anyone vote for this stuff? Why should progressives vote for you? Last time I checked, I'm a proven progressive. And if a progressive is a progressive, they should vote for me, a progressive. Progress. Progressive, progressive, progress. I am a progressive who believes in progress. I'm a proven progressive. So progressives should promote progress and promote a progressive like me who's into progress. Yay! She She put my mind at ease. She put my mind at ease. Here now, Donna Brazil, former chair of the Democratic National Committee and a Fox News contributor. Donna, you are looking at all of these candidates. You just had a while to sort of listen to Amy Klobuchar. Did she increase her viability in your mind tonight or not? 
absolutely. I think she took advantage of the stage she had today to talk to voters. You know, if I had a nickname for Amy Klobuchar, I would call her Common Sense Amy. <laughs> Common Sense Amy. Progress for the progress sake because I'm a real progressive. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll have to get to the rest of the show next time. We have a an emergency here at the house. We have to shut the power off because of the construction that's going on. And this absolutely must take place now, I've been informed. I've been reliably, reliably informed by the boss. So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us. Remember, if you want to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And, of course, if you would like to be in charge of real progress, then get in touch with me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Till next time, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.